Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey, Transplaner friends! You're listening to The Hounds of Mercy vs. Mercy's Seven Evil Exes and All of Andake, an eight-part miniseries set in Andake that follows four shattered monster hunters in the wake of the Cataclysm. Jaron Cotter, the dragonborn rogue, is played by Hamna Shahid. Sitlali, the changeling cleric, is played by Quinn B. Rodriguez. Gentle, the triton monk, is played by Dare Hickman. And the GMing is by yours truly, Connie Chong. Toss us a follow on Twitter by consulting the show notes. Without further ado, here are the content warnings for this particular episode. Content warnings for this episode include fantasy violence, death, trauma, blood, flirting, romance, sexual innuendos, and references to sexual entanglements. The Last Kiss is a fearsome pirate ship. A hardy junk carved from black wood and enchanted with magic to withstand enemy spells and broadsides. Black sails billow from proud masts flapping like raven's wings against the breezes of Mahu as the last kiss carves a brave path north through the Hima Sea toward the Dragon Fang coast of the championship of Nabal. Salt brines the air. Wind snaps against the obsidian sails. Dolphins crest through the surf in the ship's wake, their sleek bodies shimmering with the sunless light from an apocalyptic sky. We press through one of the foam-flecked portholes of the junk to see a cluttered stateroom. Bones, knives, Mirrors and vials of her enemy's blood cover every square inch of Captain Schur's quarters. Or at least they used to. The new inhabitants of this room have swept these trinkets onto the floor or stuffed them into closets, clearing new space for themselves upon the opulent pillow-strewn bed. Sitlali, you sit on the edge of the mattress. Mercy, your girlfriend, sits next to you, holding a wooden mallet in one hand, a wooden stick in the other. Uh, and at the end of the stick is a sharp point uh, attached, made from fishbone. A bowl of ink sits on a nearby nightstand because, Silali, Mercy is giving you a tattoo. So why don't you tell us where on your body is Mercy tattooing and what does the tattoo depict? It's probably their right shoulder. I think between the two, they were able to, well, Sitlali definitely would have been able to draw it, but like, it's, it's the Raven Queen's constellation. Okay, the, oh, that's beautiful. The constellation of the Raven Queen. Mercy sits next to you, chiseling away 
I think, uh, at your right arm. And it hurts. Uh, it's a traditional way of tattooing, I think, um, that Wuhan sailors would do to each other. And it's, it's, it's quite painful. Uh, but it's art and it's beautiful. And Mercy seems to know what she's doing. Uh, as she's, I think she's currently working on the beak of the raven and she's against your flesh. Um, and as she goes, she's sort of talking to sort of distract you from the pain, I think. Uh, or maybe you're meditating, simmering the pain like it's an old friend. I don't know. I don't know how you're taking pain, Sitlali. Why don't, why don't you tell me? Talking. Okay. <laughs> talking. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Mercy's just going, you know, it's been a while since I've given someone a tattoo like this. Must have been 20 years ago at this point. And who was it? Ravi, don't get jealous. We were just stupid young people who didn't really know what we were doing. I'm not, I don't get jealous, Mercy. Uh huh. And Mercy's gonna like, her eye like slides over the room where you see like uh, some smashed mirrors of Captain Shears. <laughs> maybe that you like, maybe like knocked off of a nightstand or like just like a strewn clothes of the captain is just like bundled up into a corner. Right. Of well, course you don't. This one is, this one is different. This one kidnapped you. That's, That's true. Violence. She she did kidnap me, and she did put some mind altering magic on my soul. Yeah, yeah, I don't fuck yeah. with that. So um, yeah. you can understand my um, displeasure. That's not jealousy. Okay, okay, that's fair. <laughs> you know, thinking about twenty years ago really just throws me into the past, and makes me realize that. Uh, I feel like you don't really know that much about me, said Lolly. I mean, you know who I am, you know what I stand for, but uh, there's a reason I don't really talk about the past. Same hat, babe. <laughs> well, I found you in Nabal, which is hopefully where we're headed if weather uh, holds. Yes. I, I did spend some time there. And I've surmised, based on our visit to the court... Obviously, you're from the court. I've pieced together that you were a, a, a holy person under Leaf Dreamy's tutelage. You left, traveled around Endake, had a home in Nabal for a while, and then I recruited you. Uh, am I missing anything? Nothing important. Really? Nothing at all? No secrets at all between us? What are you, what are you getting at, Mercy? <sighs> what I'm getting at is... I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Why don't you go first, then? <laughs> I, uh, didn't really have parents in the traditional sense of the word, I guess. The Euclid, uh, when we were traveling past it, I had to honor it. It's my home. I was raised inside the chasm. Not by people, uh... Well, they were people to me. They were mother, father, brother, sister. Uh, a pack of Dalaogwe. Monsters. I was abandoned by an infant, or so I surmise, and they taught me how to hunt, how to survive, how to take care of each other. I didn't know how to speak uh, in various people languages, uh, but they also taught me how to communicate. We would even make art together on the cave walls. But that didn't, uh, that didn't stay for very long. What happened? Mercy pauses uh, on the tattooing and like a shadow falls over her scarred face as she remembers. And you sort of see like her uh, amber eyes sort of like uh, 
grow a little, like, far away from you, almost like she's dissociating a little. Um... Uh, these, uh, these, these monster hunters came along. Uh, I mean, from their perspective, what do you expect? Little half-orc girl surrounded by a bunch of bony beasts. They did what they had to do, I guess. They killed the monsters and they rescued the girl. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's fine. Uh, they adopted me, uh... Taught me how to speak, what good was, what bad was, uh, the names of things I didn't think needed names. Know what I mean? Yeah. But I never forgot. I never forgot what they did to me, what they did to my family. And when I got old enough, when I got strong enough, I took care of it. Of course you did. What about you? Any uh, secrets? Were you raised by a pack of wolves? Oh no, you met my parents. Right, of course. So, um, not quite wolves, but close. <laughs> Never quite good enough for them. Never will hey. be. <laughs> fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> um... I don't know. No, the time after the court um, and before you is, um, it's all kind of a blur. A, a lot of things happen in Nabal. A lot of things happen, but not, you should, we should, we don't have to worry about them. I understand. It won't come up, just like how my exes have never come up and will not come up ever again. Speaking of your exes, since you are the one who brought them up, who do we need to worry about in the champion trip? Well, actually, actually, uh, actually, this one you don't have to worry about at all. She, of all the exes, I mean, aside from Ravi, I suppose, she's the most even keeled. I'm not worried about meeting her at all. I feel like I've heard that before. Mercy. I don't know if you have, uh, but this one, this one, I swear. She's a good one. She's got a good heart. Uh, the only reason we broke up, really... Well, I mean, there were various reasons uh, we broke up, but one of them was she fell in love with someone else and realized she didn't feel the same way about me, and, you know, around this time, it was about time for me to move on anyway. Can I inside check that? Yes, you can. With advantage, because at this point, you know Mercy pretty well. 28? Oh, what the fuck? Uh, she is telling the truth. I rarely just straight up allow Insight to be, like, a lie detector, but that is such a high roll. She's straight up telling the truth. Uh, she's okay. not really leaving anything out except for her ex's name. Uh, mm -hmm. there seems to be something else she's holding on to. Like, she, uh, almost like a little surprise that she doesn't want to, like, spoil it yet about who her ex mm -hmm. is. She's someone mm -hmm. who, uh, you know, she might be, uh, I might be impressed by her. Oh, impressed. Yeah, really? well, I think the two of you would get along. She uh, likes to cut to the chase. And you are the chase, so. <laughs> You're sweet. All right, bite down on this. This beak's gotta get chiseled out. And I do. Uh, as you bite down, Sitlali, we're gonna poof, go above deck uh, to, I think, the rushing wind, the flapping sails, like the foam of the sea spraying onto the prow of the deck, and amongst this, 
on the upper deck, we see Jaron. Jaron, why don't you describe to us uh, where you are uh, on the open air of The Last Kiss? I think uh, Jaron is kind of near the middle of the deck, but on the complete side of it, um, like maybe like hanging off the railings a little bit, just letting letting the wind and the water just kind of like splash over him and just enjoying enjoying the weather like you his hair is just kind of like blowing in the wind and it's very it's very pleasant and calming i really like that yeah your hair's getting like ruffled in the wind by now the hickeys uh, across all your body like have like have healed i think and you're enjoying the cool ocean breeze on your exposed skin that's right i'm not gonna let you forget you were a hoe and you still are uh and I think that's when you hear like a F, 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 sort of like around your legs uh, as Bud sort of bounds up to you, uh, his white fur all ruffled around his scruff. Uh, he, he is growing kind of at an exponential rate, not gonna lie. He's maybe the size of a German Shepherd now, like a large one, even though he's only like a few weeks old, right? Like maybe even like a month or two. F, F, John, John. Oh, Bud, what are you doing here? Where's, where's Gentle? Bud looks up at you very slyly, and you see that he's stolen Gentle's medicine pouch, and it's dangling out the side of his mouth. Oh, what do you have over there? And I think Jaron tries to, like, reach out for it and try and take it. No! Uh, and <laughs> Bud tries to, like, wrench away from you. So make a contested uh, dexterity <laughs> check. Slight of Can hand I check. Can fight a wolf? Is that, is that possible? <laughs> You're gonna have to contest this wolf. 23! Yeah, you grab it. Uh, you nice. grab onto it. You hold like one end, but now Bud like clamps down and is like trying to initiate tug of war with you. Like has gotten down <laughs> to like a play bow and is like. Arr! I think instead of playing it, because I think Jaron is worried about ripping the medicine pouch and like everything going everywhere. Uh, they're just going to, you know, the thing that you're supposed to do when animals bite you and you have to like lean into the bite mm. to get them to stop. Mm -hmm. I think Jaron is going to do that where every time Bud pulls back, Jaron is going to push into Bud's mouth to try and like get Bud to release the pouch. That's really smart. Uh, roll animal handling with advantage. Ooh, okay, let's see. All right, I got a 17. Yeah, it's working. Uh, as you shove into Bud, Bud sort of backs up. What are you doing? What is this witchcraft? Why am I... <laughs> as it starts to work. And I think maybe this is when, like, Gentle comes upon the scene. I think Gentle comes up as Jaron. I Like, hearing <laughs> Bud say, like, what is this witchcraft? I think uh, Jaron is just kind of leaning into that and saying... Don't make me cast another spell, bud. Let it go. Let it go before I do. Bud, uh, Jaron, what's happening? Uh, it seems that Bud has gotten into your things. I may have noticed. Um, Bud, why did you take the medicine pouch? Oh, I just wanted to play. Mm -hmm. All right, now we need to find something that you can use that if we were to necessarily break, uh, it wouldn't make all of my stuff go everywhere? Uh, I have an idea. And Jaron kind of like goes, I assume I like have my pack still on me um, to some degree. It's like obviously like very light, like I'm not carrying a whole bunch of stuff in it. But uh, Jaron goes into their pack and pulls out a pair of like dice, but I imagine they're like large. They're like larger than regular sized dice. And I imagine they're made of wood um, and pulls those out. This is the best I got. Ah. 
uh, opens his mouth and the, the pouch covered in his slobber slops onto the ground, grabs onto both dice and starts just like, sits down and starts chewing on it ambiently, right? Uh, which gives you and Gentle some time to just sort of look at each other. Hey, I have been meaning to uh, ask you something. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Also, I'm really sorry about your pouch. It's really wet. Um, are you? Are your things inside it's, of it going to be okay? It's, like the it's okay. No, it should. It should be fine. Um, I. I mean, I'll be honest. It's not the first time Bud's done this. Uh, I may may not have been quietly just like wrapping it up a bit more, just so there's nothing uh, that Bud can get into or mess up. Um, I mean, that, that's good for me to know as well. Yeah. Um, how are you doing with everything, I guess? Like, uh, the island? I didn't see a whole lot of you, but it seemed like you were getting into trouble a lot in a way you normally don't do. (laughs) No, no, gentle. I wasn't, I wasn't in trouble. I was having fun, letting loose. It's not something that we really get to do or traveling with the hounds much. So I thought, got an opportunity. Why not take it, right? Yeah, but I mean, forgive me if this is going to sound a little rude. It seemed like you were maybe uh, playing with people's uh, feelings a little. Um, And maybe uh, it seemed, seemed like people were really invested in you. Well... Gentle, I can't help how other people feel about me. I was pretty clear with everyone about my intentions and how I felt. Now, when they fall for my pretty face, I can't exactly do anything about that. Now, can I? I guess not. Um, <laughs> I've never heard you sound this confident about stuff like that. Um, well, yeah. I think I have reason to be. Don't you? Mm-hmm. But no, gentle. I'm I'm fine, really. I'm doing better than I ever have. How are you, though? I realize that you always ask us how we're doing, but we never really ask you, and I feel bad about that. Admittedly, a little stressed. Mostly about Bud. What about Bud? He seems to be growing pretty quickly, pretty well. Yeah, but... I mean, he's he's growing and he's getting bigger, and I, I may or may not have had a bad dream that um, he was going to get hurt, and I've been trying to make sure he's as happy as can be and trying to take care of him maybe a little bit more than normal. Um, I've, I've been in extra parent mode lately, and I... Did I ever tell you what happened to Bud family? No, we, we haven't exactly talked about Moreau's. Since, you know. Yeah. I've been wanting to talk to you about that. Gentle, yeah. are you saying this in front of Bud? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because Bud is still chewing on the dice, but as you're talking about, like, as you've said his name, like, every time his ears, like, perk up, and now he's just sort of, like, ambiently slobbering over the dice and looking up with these wide, curious eyes between the two of you. I think I, like, sit down cross-legged on the floor and sort of motion for Bud to come here. Come back closer bud obeys drops the dice uh, to his feet and then just sort of trots over and then sits i just sort of like pet like right between his ears like around the top of his head 
I guess I can start with what happened to me during the cataclysm. Yeah, yeah. I don't actually know other than when I found you, covered in those biting you. Yeah, yeah, th- those little things. Uh, and I think I, like, rubbed my arm softly, and, like, there's still very thin scars from all of that. Um, yeah, people started disappearing. I was sort of in the back, uh, away from everyone. You, you know how I am. Sort of taking in the sights, and people started disappearing, and I, I was hearing noises, and, of course, I went to go check on, uh, you know, Bud's mom. And some monsters had already gotten there. And it wasn't a pretty sight, I'll be honest. Um, And I just, like, hug Bud tightly as I'm, like, saying all of this. And Bud managed to be okay. And as I managed to get Bud out of the cave, I ran into more people who were getting hurt. And I told the monsters, I, I tried to calm them down, see if they were like, you know, the usual type of animals we get in Moreau's. You know, they're hungry, they're scared, but ultimately they're, they're you know, just, just needing a little bit of uh, kindness and a friend. And these ones weren't like that. But the bright side was, when they were all latched on me, I'm strong. So I was able to run away and save a few people. Um, and that's pretty much when I found, or, well, I guess when you found me. And I'm sorry that I did that to you. No, I'm, I'm so sorry that you had to see. I know you cared a lot about Bud's mom. And I'm really sorry that you had to see, I assume, the remnants of that. But, gentle, you, you, you have got to stop doing that, you know? The whole taking on all of the danger so that other people don't have to you when i found you you didn't you didn't look good i'm worried what if i had come a little bit later or what if i couldn't find you at all i i i I don't know but um i i mean it was meant to be for you to find me i guess if if it if you didn't find me just would, would have been the way it had to be no i don't I don't buy that. I don't think that this was fate. I think just... I care about you, gentle. You know that, right? I care about you. And that's why I want you to care about yourself, too. Thank you. I I think it's your turn now. (sighs) Right. I... I guess... Adeline, I was with a bunch of children. They were, you know how they get. They wanted extra meat and I can't, I can't say no to them. So I brought them around uh, to give them extra meat. And that's when the ice cracked. And I managed to save the kids, but I saw, and like, you can see like Jaron is like wringing their hands at this point. And it's like very like visibly getting uncomfortable. And it's, like, difficult for him to, like, say any, like, to continue speaking, but, like, he's gonna, like, keep pushing through it. I just, I saw my, my parents from across the ice, and just when the the ice cracked and there was this big fissure, I, I saw they fell in, they were crushed in, and everything was 
boiling and I I, I, I didn't know what to do so I just I, I went after them and I burned my arm in the process and I would have gone in I would have gone in to the boiling lake at that point but <laughs> you'll you'll never believe it but Oka stopped me it's the last time really that I heard their voice in, in a good way, I guess. Um, and they, they pulled me back. And that's the only reason that I'm here, that I'm that I found you, that I found Sit Lolly and was able to bring us out of there, that we didn't all, you know, go with the rest. I do believe you. Um, but also it's uh really funny that it was Oka because I mean of course, someone you care about is going to be the person who saved you. You know, I care about you a lot. You care about Oka a lot. That's friends, you know, people who love each other look out for each other. I I did care about Oka a lot, but I don't think that they, I don't think the reason that I heard them was because they cared about me. I think that was just what I wanted to hear at the time anyway. Um, Jeron, can I? Can I say something that's... I don't... I feel like I need to say this for a while. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, we've been friends for so long, you can tell me anything. Yeah, no, that's that's part of it. If there's one person I've... I've never been good at people. If there's one person I've had who's been sort of a constant in my life, it's been you, of course. And... I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think for a long time, I have... Crack! Uh, the wooden dice that Bud have been chewing on splinter uh, between his jaws. Uh, as he's like looking up at Gentle with these big puppy eyes and ears are sort of down, like tails down, entire body language is just down. And Bud just goes, I... I had... I had a mom? Yeah. That's how uh, John and I met Mercy and joined this big family. Um, where, Where is she? Where, Where is she, Gentle? I, like, begin to, like, pet him again and just, like, softly hug him. She got hurt really bad and I wasn't able to save her. You remember how you almost got hit by that mean pirate lady on the island? Yeah. Something like that. Like, a, a mean monster got your mom, and I wasn't around to save to save her. No. No, I... But I... I didn't... I... And you hear Bud's voice break, uh, and he, like, turns around, like, tail sort of tucked down, and starts scrambling off. Do you go after him? Mm-hmm. Jeron, I'll, I'll be back late, later. I'm no, sorry, I'll yeah, tell go. you later. This is more important. Yeah. Gentle, you run after your pup. And Jeron, you're left by the railing, wind ruffling your hair, maybe head cocked, wondering what Gentle was going to say. Uh, but that is left unsaid. 
And I think uh, it takes a while to calm Bud down, to find him, to, to talk to him, to hold him as he's processing these emotions. It appears that the gift of language uh, that Root's sweet breeze bestowed upon him also bestowed like a greater sentience. Like he's aware of what grief is like and is able to talk about it, you know, in a way that I think most dogs can't. And later that night for dinner, Mercy like uses crates to like make like an impromptu dinner table with like a sheet, like an old sail, like discarded sail, like strewn over it as a tablecloth and like over like rations and maybe like fish that she's fished from from the surf. Uh, Mercy takes out Unmei's water. Uh, maybe with Sitlali with like a brand new tattoo, sort of like burning bloodily uh, on her right shoulder. Mercy takes out Unmei's water puts it on a plate, and all of you like lean over the plate to look to track Sense Paragon, which by this point I think most of you have agreed is probably Oka, except for Jaron, who is likely in denial. No, Jaron thinks it's, it's not Oka. But either way, to track Sense Paragon. Uh, because I think for the past few nights that you've done this, the water has just kept spinning. Occasionally, it'll just start sparking like it's made of like uh, liquid metal and it's reacting to a magnet. But this time, the water shoots straight up into the air, like up into the atmosphere, and it's just, is gone. Like that little bit of like water from the vial is, disappears, not to be seen anymore. And Mercy's just sort of like, what is happening with Oka? I mean, sends Paragon. And she sort of looks askance at you, Jaron. It's not Oka for the last time. But, yeah, I don't... Have we tried... Have we... You tried and, like, looks over at Sitlali. Um, and I assume if Gentle's here as well, at Gentle as well. Have you tried to figure out what might be interfering with the magic here? Is, does this have something to do with the cataclysm? It might, but I... I could try scrying on them. I haven't done that. You don't know who the Paragon is. How are you going to scry on them? Uh, let's just try something, right, Sitlali? Yeah, it'll be a long shot, but um, yeah, let's try it. Just kind of giving a very knowing glance at Mercy. Okay, how does scrying work? You can see in here a particular creature you choose that is on the same plane of existence as you. Uh, the target must make a wisdom saving throw, uh, which is modified by how well you know the target. I'm doing it for Oka. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, if you know them firsthand, uh, it's a plus five to the saving throw. Okay. So what is the DC? It's against your regular DC, but you'd add a plus five because you know them. My regular DC is 17. That's a 22. How would scrying work if you got a vision? Would it just like flash before your eyes or would you like display it onto like a mirror or something? It has to be on like a reflective surface. Okay. So yeah, like on probably on a mirror would probably a shard of the mirror that I definitely didn't break earlier. Would Sounds work. good. You set it down on top of this dinner plate, right? And all of you are crowding around. A sit lolly begins casting the spell. I'm going to make a whiz save. Oka fails. Uh, so I think what happens, uh, is describe to me what the magic looks like, right? Zitlali, describe to me how you're casting the spell. They kind of settle themselves in front of, uh, this, like, shard of mirror. I imagine it's not huge, but, like, large enough. And they just kind of put their 
hand, like their fingertips on like the four cor- corners, depending on the shape, the glass just sort of starts to like cloud over with this like multicolor sort of like fog until it clears and shows whatever is happening to Oka. As the fog clears, all of you see just flashes of red and purple light, just alternating, oscillating rapidly, red, purple, red, purple, red, purple. And there's like weird kind of tenebrous fog woven through it. You hear like distantly echoes of laughter, weeping music. And then, uh, the flashing grows to a fever pitch. You don't see Oka at all. You don't see anything. You don't see chairs, a room, ground, the sky. You don't see anything, just light. The light flashes to a fever pitch and then cracks the mirror and shatters it. And the spell ends. Well, that's not supposed to happen. With a... Dolly, what does that mean? Fuck if I know. (laughs) Would you like to make an arcana check? Yes. Okay. Not 20, baby! What? Okay, what's the total? Only 23. Why am I not proficient in that? Whatever. You should, yeah, you should become proficient in it next time you level up or something. Okay, <laughs> natural 20, that's a 23. So if, if Oka were on a different plane of existence, the spell would have failed. But now, after the cataclysm, the relationship between the planes of existence has been severed. But what you saw flashing makes you think that Oka is less so on like a completely different plane, like in the after or the beyond, and more so maybe in some sort of pocket dimension. Like there's definitely some insane magic interfering with the scrying, like filling up like the ambient magical atmosphere around you and just like completely playing dissonant notes across the weave. But Lally's gonna stare at the mirror for a minute, then look up at Jaron and go, Oka's totally fine. Okay, why why did you look for Oka though you I thought you were looking for Sun's Paragon. Exactly. That's why I'm well, saying focus. Oka. Focus. Oka's, to- Oka's totally fine. And then kind of looks over at Mercy and Gentle and is like just like shakes their head like real small. Yeah. Like a Jaron, <laughs> would you like to insight check Sitlali? Is that okay with you, Quinn? Do I get to roll deception? <laughs> you do. You do. Inside versus deception. Good. Let's go. All right, let's do it. 15. Okay, 15 from Jaron. I also rolled a 15. Uh, add nine to that, and that's my total. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So I think what that means, Jaron, is Sitlali is so hard to read. And you're maybe feeling a little frustrated because you're like, damn, okay, they really are good at lying, though, or like hiding things. And you, you can't really, it's like a brick wall. You can't really get anything else out of Sitlali. Sitlali, can you do that spell one more time and then do it for Sun's Paragon? I don't know. Use the, I don't know enough about the weave to tell you how to do this, but can you like use the water, Unmei's water and focus on that or something? Cause that seems to have some sort of connection with the Paragon. Uh, Gentle, your hand's raised. Thank God. Jaron, why do you, like you're one of the smartest ones of us. You know it's Oka. <laughs> I, I do not know that it's Oka. I in fact know that it's not Oka. And thank you for pointing out that I am in fact, the smartest person in this room right now, which means that you are all wrong and I am correct and it's not Oka. So we should maybe just put that idea to bed. 
Why? Give me three reasons why it's not Oka. Um, when has Oka ever done anything that is remotely godly that could make us think that they have curried the favor of a god? Uh, secondly, Sen's Paragon? That doesn't even make sense. They're, that, they're not even from the correct region for that to make sense. It would be a different god entirely. They they said that they were from, from Talmud, right? Wouldn't it be Yudabathi then if this was... Yes. Yes, gentle. What if Oka doesn't know where they're from more maybe they didn't tell you the full story oka did kind of leave all of us without maybe telling us and i i don't want to be the person to have to say all of this but maybe there was more to oka than any of us knew they were good at lying but they're not that good at lying i'm gonna turn to mercy okay is there anything you're not telling us about Oka? Uh, who wants dessert? Hmm? Mercy? Mm, uh, mercy? Yeah, uh, gentle, I see your hand is raised. Then I, you know, I'm really tired from tattooing. Uh, so, Lolly, do you want to join me? Do you want to join me privately in bed? Gentle, can you can you get Mercy some like rejuvenating tea? She's tired and needs it in order to tell us I what do, she knows. I do have a nice a nice pick me up tea. I can make it really quickly. I think we could all maybe use that, and then maybe like a nice coming down calm tea afterwards. Uh, I start getting started on that. <sighs> Okay, 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 fine, fine. This is what I wanted to tell you all at the cliff's edge, at the raven's throat. Didn't get a chance to, obviously, because I got kidnapped. But uh, we haven't just, it just hasn't come up since. Uh, okay, fine. Jaron, don't freak out, okay? It's fine, it's still Oka. They just are a person that, you know, uh, everyone's right, had a lot of secrets. And Mercy reaches into her waistband and pulls out a rolled-up scroll. Okay, who here uh, speaks to? Reads it again? Kind of. Oka was teaching me. Oh my god, okay. Of course they were. Uh, And Mercy unfurls the scroll. And all of you see essentially a birth certificate. Right? Uh, But it's written in two. Uh, and there's like a picture of Oka, but they look really different. They look younger and they have long hair. And they're also dressed in these like royal robes. And they have like a crown like on their head. And the name in Tsu across the top is Prince Makoya Hien, second born to the emperor. Mercy like puts it down like it's a, it's a piece of live dynamite on the table. I think Jaron gets like really close to it, like squinting at this like scroll, reading it. Prince Makoya Hien. Yeah. Yep. Okay, is this a joke, Mercy? Because it's not no. funny. No. Let me tell you. It's not a joke, Jaron. They gave this to me on the eve of their departure. In case they never came back, they told me to burn it. It's Prince Makoya Hien. No, no, no. How? Oh, you're telling me Oka is a prince. You're telling me Oka. Oka is a prince. There's a reason. I think they want to keep this hidden. 
And Mercy reaches out into like the same part of her waistband and pulls out a second scroll. This one, she unfurls, it's written in common. And you see the same portrait, but instead of it being a birth certificate, it's a wanted poster. Uh, and it says, Prince Makoya Hien, dead or alive, 100,000 gold for treason and sacrilege against the crown. Yep. And she rolls it back up. Well, that sounds more like Oka. No, why... I... Why would they give you this scroll? Why not just burn it themselves if that's what they wanted you to do with it? Because clearly you didn't do it. You didn't burn it. So why give it to you? I know. I know. Uh, I don't know. Okay? Oka is a fucking enigma. I guess maybe a part of them... A part of them wanted me to hold on to it in case they ever came back. Yes, gentle. Um, if I had to maybe guess, it's not easy revealing secrets to people you care about. Um, that makes as much sense to me as anything. Fine. Okay. Oka, Makoya, is a prince. Sure. From Chulong. That still does not mean anything in terms of Oka being Sun's Paragon because, again, wrong location. If Oka's from Toulon, wouldn't wouldn't they be the the Paragon of Mengshen Judi? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be the case? Makes you think location has anything to do with it. It it has to, right? That's that's the whole does point. It it doesn't though is the thing. We don't have all of the information. Drawn. Rev. Rev is the paragon of the Raven Queen. Where is Rev from? Yes. Rev is from the Court of Ravens. That makes sense, right? But that makes sense for her. That doesn't necessarily mean it makes sense like that for all of the paragons. That's not necessarily how all of the gods work. Jaron, we don't have all the pieces. Exactly. So why are you jumping to conclusions when we don't have all of the pieces? Jaron, what do Oka's eyes look like? What does that have to do with anything? What do Unmei's eyes look like? Okay, so they're an emissary of the god. Then is that what is that what you're is that what you're suggesting? No, I mean that's pretty much a paragon, but like a little bit lower. We don't know everything, and I wish I just wish that everybody here would just slow down just a little bit, just a little bit. Yes, gentle. We've been on this journey for uh, uh, quite some time, and I think that if there was evidence that would be in contrary, we'd probably have ran into it by now. I'm once again drawn. I'm sorry. I don't. I'm not trying to in, be in your way. It's not Oka, but if you want to chase Oka right now, fine. We'll do it. If only to prove to you that it is not them, we will go to them and we will ask them and they will tell us that this is ridiculous. You want to try something, Jaron? What? Give me a minute. And DM, I would like to attempt to cast legend lore regarding the Paragon of Sen. Oh my Sen. god, how does that work? I have to pull up my notes! Name or describe a person, place, or object. The spell brings to your mind a brief summary of the significant lore about the thing you named. The lore might consist of current tales, forgotten stories, or even secret lore that has never been widely known. 
If the thing you named isn't of legendary importance, you gain no information. I have a feeling the paragons are of legendary importance. Uh, the more information you already have about the thing, the more precise and detailed the information you receive is. Uh, the information you learn is accurate, but might be couched in figurative language. Oh my god, what a useful spell. Why have none of my other PCs ever used this spell? Okay. What is the thing you're like? Are you just go looking into the weave and trying to pull information about the Paragon of Sen back toward you? Yes. Okay. Uh, what does it look like as you do that? Sitlali just kind of closes their eyes and... Um... I think I think you can feel the weave kind of like undulate around them and I think it just like the air kind of shimmers a little bit. I like that. You close your eyes, you focus. And if I may add a little bit of flavor text, uh, I think the shattered pieces of the mirror like wobble, like rattling the silverware on the table where she's going, whoa, whoa. Uh, the mirror shards rise up and they sort of like levitate around Sitlali, like eight of them forming a halo sort of like behind Sitlali's head and they start to start to rotate a little. And as Sitlali starts receiving visions, the rest of you see glimpses of this vision flash through the mirror shards, right? Um, and Sitlali, I think you're pulling through the weave and then bing, like the spike of knowledge is driven through you, right? Like a, a gift from Munch and Jurdi. And I think against maybe like even without you knowing your eyes fly open, but your eyes are like pure black uh, as you like receive this like almost like prophetic vision like about the Paragon of Sen because you know so much about it at this point and you're honing on on like a specific aspect of the Paragons. You see, and all of you see this as well, reflected in the mirror shards, a vision of a person, black-skinned, shadowy, almost like tenebrous skin uh, with, with white hair. You can't even really see their face. They're so, they're like a being made of shadow and like their hair is almost like white smoke coming out of their crown. Um, they are sort of, uh, standing on, uh, the background you see glimpses of it, a, a broken, bloodied battlefield with a cracked red sky, and all of you see hundreds of eyes blinking in, like, different moments all across the sky, and you see in the distance, like, silhouetted against this shadowy figure, a massive stranger? taller than the world with wings that just completely encompass the atmosphere around it. Bleeding eyes dotted all over the wings. The eyes are just bleeding red, black blood dripping onto the ground. And where the tears smash onto the ground, these tears of blood and tar monsters spawn. And you recognize some of these monsters, the little like fleshy chicken things um, that like knocked gentle out uh, these like monsters made of just like, hands and claws a massive beast with a huge neck and faces stitched all over its fleshy body and we flash back to this shadowy person who faces off against the monsters and the vision pans down to their chest where a wheel a disc flares open iridescent colors Every single color imaginable and unimaginable swirls around in this disc and starts glowing, and this person's body starts changing. And then the vision ends. The mirror shards vibrate for a half second in the air around Sitlali, and as the weave relaxes, they gently lower back onto the dinner table. And Sitlali, your eyes return to their normal color, and you feel really tired. I think I just kind of lay down on Mercy's bicep. 
I'm tired. She catches you. Yeah, she catches you. Whoa. I said, Lolly, what was, what was that? Did you not say, I don't, what? Hmm? Dessert? But Jaron is like going through their pack, pulling out that piece of paper that they had drawn the picture of the eye on and like puts it down on the ground for everyone to see. I've seen that before. What? How? Where? Where? It was a dream. I thought it was just a dream. I... What happened in this dream? When? It was, uh, while you were missing, Mercy. Oka was in the dream, and they looked different. Their wings, you remember their wings. It was always translucent, ghostly, not real. But they were flesh and corporeal, like I've never seen before. And they looked behind me, and when I looked back, that, that is what I saw. Sitlali, the person, the shadow person with the thing in their chest, was that the Paragon of Sen? I think so. Maybe. Probably. That that didn't look like Oka at all. But Oka still had the eye. You know what? I'm making an executive decision. Dessert for Sitlali and everyone else who wants it. Go to bed. Okay? Let's just... This has been a long night. Just go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Jaron takes the, like, drawing, like, rolls it up and puts it back in their pack. Okay. Do I recognize that the eye symbol at all? Like, the drawing or, like, anything that we saw? Do I recognize that from any of my studies? Oh, God. Okay, make a history check. Make (laughs) a history check, Sitlali. As you do, Mercy turns to you, Gentle. You see, like, a vein jumping, like, behind the band of her eye patch. Yes. Gentle? I just wanted to say I'm sorry if I helped make the room a little tense. I, I generally don't do that, and I'm I'm sorry. I, I value everyone's opinion G- here. Gentle, gentle, gentle. It's fine. It was bound to come out. Bound to come out. I think Jaron is just going to point at the birth certificate. Do you mind if I borrow that for a bit? Uh, I don't know what you're going to do to it, Jaron. Uh, burn it. No, or I use won't. it for your... Um, I don't no, want to say it. Don't no, make me say no, it, Jaron. No. Great gods, don't make me say it. No, that's not what's happening. Please, for the love of God, don't say it. I just want to read it again. That's all. Okay. But don't burn it, okay? Don't crumple it up. I won't. No matter how you feel about Oka right now, it's not our place to burn it, I don't think. I know. And I won't. Okay. Here. And Mercy hands over Oka's birth certificate and gives it to you. And I will take it and put it away. Sitlali, what did you get? 22. Yeah. Okay. You have. Because you literally studied the gods growing up, so I'm going to give it to you. Okay? That's literally your backstory. I will allow you to have this piece of knowledge. This eye symbolism is ringing a bell. Oh, but it's so deep back in your memory. Definitely back when you were still studying at the court. You're like sifting through it. You're like, where have I seen it? Where have I seen it? And it pings. Uh, You've seen a drawing uh, of the same kind of eye bleeding its black and red tar tears uh, in a kind of throwaway passage uh, in one of your books about the Paragon War. 
So the Paragon War is a pretty classic uh, piece of lore in Adake's history, basically also known as the, the Gambit of Queens. Uh, it was in Adake's mythic past, before the eight nations were created, there were a bunch of queens that like ruled Andake, and they were freaking awful. They like were like so bad to the people. They like used the people as pawns in their game. That's why it's called the Gambit of Queens. And in Andake, that's why the chess move, Queen's Gambit, is named after that piece of lore. Until the paragons rose up. For the first time in Andake's history, eight paragons rose up and championed the people and basically helped establish the nations as we know them now. Uh, they beat back these repressive, tyrannical queens, and they created the championship, the court, too long, etc., etc., etc. There's a throwaway passage, kind of a footnote, right, uh, where this was scribbled in the margins, drawn in the margins, this eye symbol, of a second war that the Paragons fought. After they had basically won the Gambit of Queens, there are rumors, there are accounts of something known as the Stranger War. Uh, where this entity came to Andake, like this alien or like eldritch entity came to Andake and like th like tried to destroy it, uh, but the paragons were able to beat it back. It's just a footnote because the author wrote about it in really annoyed terms. They were like, this is essentially just speculation. There's no evidence to back this up. Treat it like fan fiction, basically. Like, and it's it's not given any academic or intellectual credit at all in, like, the religious studies communities in Endake. That's where you know it from. I'm gonna sit on that for a little while, I think. All right. Everyone go to bed. We'll reconvene in the morning. And more importantly, let's focus on the tasks at hand, okay? I don't know what we can even do with this information. Let's just get to Nabal, get to land, talk to my contact there. Uh, and Mercy sort of gives you a kind of, like, cheeky smile, uh, sit lolly. She'll have some answers, I know she will. Alright. Get some shut-eye, Jaron. You too, gentle. On the third week of travel, the coastline of the championship finally pulls into view, looming like the spine of a dragon against the glittering blue Hima Sea. Mercy directs the last kiss to skirt the shore several miles out to avoid crashing against reefs. It's faster to ride the current up the western shore of Nabal than it is to dock at Dragonfang and trek to Rosso on foot. And so, your party spends another few days on the ocean, keeping the darkened land in view on the eastern horizon to your right, until you reach a port city surrounded by the Brittle Finger Woods. The last kiss sails through a series of low, broad canals, flanked on either side by the spiny forests of Brittle Finger. You see cacti and ocotillos, bottle trees and baobabs, the thorny leaves of salt, parched plants bobbing in the breeze. During the day, you hear the clucking of pheasants and the skittering of mongoose through the dusty underbrush of the far shores. And at night, you see the winking, reflective eyes of lemurs lurking in the branches. Few Nabalians make their homes on the shores of this canal system that eventually feeds into the Ingir Lake further inland. Instead, the three of you see settlements glimmering on the peaks of distant highlands where the trade winds are wet and the soil fertile. You see clusters of stone houses, grazing cattle, moss-mottled temples to the eight, rising up out of the mountains. Eventually, 
The canal you're sailing down feeds into Ingir Lake. You spend another day or so on the water, other ships and boats dotting the lake all around you. Could give uh, the lake that you met Unmei at a run for its money in terms of how big it is until you eventually dock at Bacchanalia Beach on the western shore of Clothau Island. From there, the four of you travel on foot. You know that you've reached the capital when the towers of Rasso begin rising into view. Hundreds of stories tall and dozens of feet wide, carved from adobe and stone, the roofs of these towers vanish into the clouds above your heads. There are eight such massive towers scattered across Rasso, one for each of the gods. Each tower also serves as the socio-economic nucleus for Rasso's eight plazas, neighborhoods built around the base of each tower that share common values and are governed by common principles. Mercy leads your party through Rasso's winding streets after docking the last kiss at Bacchanalia. The smell of smoked meats and grilled vegetables from street vendors suffuses the air, as does the sound of street performers, children running and playing hawkers, selling their wares, gambling parlors with their doors thrown open to the breeze trying to entice customers in. As you walk through Rasso, you see vestiges of some sort of recent disturbance. Shattered storefronts, roped off streets, Massive craters in the ground, buildings missing entire chunks of their walls and roofs. But the atmosphere in Rasu is anything but despondent. In fact, the people around you seem optimistic, chipper even, as they go about repairing the holes in their neighborhood. For every broken window, you see three people working together to install a new one. Mercy leads your party toward the Tower of Risk and Reward, the central tower in all of Rasso, where the champion and their regent reside. The base of the tower stands atop a huge raised dais, with stairs and ramps leading up to the tower's many entrances. Uh, Think like a Roman Colosseum, right? That's how many entrances and exits are at the base of this tower. As your party approaches, The light from the sunless sky begins to fade, and a deep autumn evening is nestling into the shadows of Rasso. Your progress slows as you begin to encounter a crowd gathered at the base of the Tower of Risk and Reward. Actually, several dozen people at first, and then when you start wading into it, a hundred people? Two hundred, seven hundred, a thousand people at least, several thousand strong, like they're gathered for a concert or something? Uh, A buzz with anticipation for you're not sure what yet. And as Mercy very annoyedly uh, muscles your party through the fray, grumbling about it, all of you see a light streaking up into the sky from the base of the tower several hundred feet in front of you. The light goes up, 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 up. You see people's heads craning upward. You hear a gasps of anticipation and then the light explodes into a dazzling firework display, luminescent against the dimming sky. The crowd around you starts cheering. Their voices start filling this night air. And then music starts to play kind of from everywhere. And as the music starts playing, it seems to be magically amplified, right? Somehow. Uh, The people around you start to dance. They start to like 
you know, groove to the music. They start to like nod. There, you see people like drinking from cups. They're all dressed sort of like um, party casual, I guess. Uh, and it gets that much harder to reach the tower. So what do the three of you do as music starts playing and more fireworks go off and people start dancing around you? Is there like a musician or like a band or something nearby? Why don't the three of you make a perception check for me? Are there any walls nearby? Well, uh, yeah, there are buildings nearby. Are you gonna try to them? I don't need to try anymore. I'm level nine, baby. Oh my god. <laughs> I regret having a monk in Translator. <laughs> Just kidding, I don't. I love gentle. I got a 13. Okay, 13 for Jaron. I also got a 13. 13 for gentle. Sit Lolly? 27. Okay, Sitlali and Gentle. Gentle, without using your new monk powers to climb vertically up a wall, I don't think you can see. There's so many people and they're jostling you everywhere. It's kind of overstimulating. Like Bud's right next to you and is sniffing, you know, ears going wild, like tail sort of wagging, like eyes are reflecting, like the big fireworks going off, you know, in Bud's eyes. Bud is like, ah. Uh, and yeah, Jaron, you're also like, uh, there's just a lot of people here. I think this is the most people y'all have encountered since Aiden. You know what I mean? Like, it's a lot of people gathered in one place. If I may, at, for flavor, because they are still 5'2", um, can they be on Mercy's shoulders? Oh my god! Yes, okay, yes. Lolly is on Mercy's shoulders, and you look around, <laughs> you're like, okay, what's going on? And you look forward toward the base of the tower, where you see, like, a stage has been set up, like, at the top of the dais, in front of various entrances, like, at the base of the tower. And... People are like moshing in front of the stage, like on the steps, and there is one person performing on the stage, right? And like people are like chanting, like chanting a name in Nabalish. Uh, do any of you speak Nabalish? Sit Lolly does. Do the rest of you speak it? Gentle does. Okay. Uh, the two of you would understand the name that's being chanted as people start dancing. Kane, 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 Kane. As you all see, Sitlali, you especially, a midnight blue tiefling, sort of like dancing and twirling around on stage with these like beautiful iridescent rainbow shawls open at their chest to reveal these like pink top surgery scars, right? They've got this like dark hair flowing, like wavy, like around them, these like long elegant horns, right? And eyes of pure silver sort of glimmer as they dance and move around. Uh, and yeah, just by looking at them very briefly before like Mercy's like, what do you see? What's up there? You can tell that this person presumably came uh, is a really good dancer, right? And they are not just that, but they are beloved by this crowd. What do you do with that information? I'll just kind of lean down into Mercy be like, is your contact a hot tiefling named Kane? What? Kane? That's no. who everybody is cheering for. Wait, what and, is uh, going, what? Uh, excuse me. I don't me. know, they're a really sweet dancer. Pardon, what, you stop looking. Uh, and Mercy's gonna sort of like, start like nudging through the crowd with more aggression. Starts like shoving people. People are going like, hey, you're harsh in my bus, man. But like, as Mercy's like pushing through, doesn't even care. Jaron, gentle? Uh, I think Jaron is just going to follow Mercy's lead because he is very overwhelmed by all of these people that are around. Doesn't speak the language for once. Fun fact for the audience, Jaron speaks seven of the eight Undokin languages, and Nabalish is not one of them. So he's feeling a little out of his depth. Uh, and so, yeah, he, they're just going to follow Mercy. What about Gentle? 
Uh, I tell Bud to stay close to Jaron. Uh, my mask is also super on, by the way. I just sort of like start running up a like up to a roof and just like so I can have space and I just sort of move roof to roof. Gentle, how does it feel? How have you learned to do this? Right? I don't like like meta meta gaming wise, you've leveled oh, up. I mean, like how are we justifying this? An evolution like, in the of the it's an evolution of the fact that I've gotten faster and more confident in my uh, abilities. Because episode one, I ran on the lake to help That's true. save Unme. That's true. <laughs> okay. Bud sticks by Jaron, which is easy. Buzz, Bud is really big at this point and is able to sort of like ford his own way through the sea of people. You run toward a nearby building and like you turn perpendicular as you just run up the side and you hop onto the roof, right? You start hopping from roof to roof, like weaving your way through the crowd this way. Like uh, you're silhouetted like against like torchlight, right? Like on these roofs, you look like freaking Batman as you're going like from gutter to gutter to gutter to gutter, <laughs> following the rest of uh, your party on foot. Jaron and Gentle, as you get closer to the base of the tower, the two of you also see this tiefling. Right. And you also see like uh, musicians sort of like off stage. They're not allowed on stage to like take attention away from this tiefling. Uh, but they're off stage and they seem to be playing like lyres, like drums, like uh, uh, or like all sorts of instruments from all across the eight nations to form this sort of like, and it's very almost like uh, for us, it would al almost be like EDM a little bit, <laughs> like EDM and Bob, like all mashed together. Um, Kane's dancing. All of you see them now. Uh, Mercy sort of like muscles all the way to the front where I think a barricade's been set up and there's like sort of like muscular like security like in like leather armor with like swords strapped to their waists to like make sure no one like crosses the line and Mercy's just going, ugh, what? Hey, hey, ugh, damn it. it. Sort of seems at like a loss for what to do. Dave, do you need it? And I'm gonna lean down. Uh, I'm gonna like tap her on the cheek and cast thaumaturgy so that her voice is really loud. Okay. Oh, that's cute. She shouts out, "Hey, you, Kane! Been a while, eh? Come down here. Let's let's talk." Uh, and her voice is sort of like booming out, like past, like I think like this big buff Minotaur guard, and he goes, "Ah!" Sort of like covers his ear down. Uh, but the Tiefling either doesn't hear her or doesn't care. Just keeps dancing, like doesn't even look in her direction. Uh, in fact, like twirls, and you see like a like these glittery coins that like come off of like this shawl wrapped to their waist, like jingle and like catch the light as they twirl. Doesn't seem to have gotten this Tiefling's attention. Jaron, gentle. I could maybe get uh, get get Kane's attention. Okay, how are you gonna do that? I can simply get on the stage uh, and then <laughs> jump towards uh, Mercy. Uh, so then you see Mercy. Oh my god. That's so funny. Make an acrobatics check. That's a 17. Okay. Describe to me how you do a sick kickflip off of the nearest roof and land on the stage. I think what I do is I combine slow fall, uh, which is another thing I have. Um, and do you know, like, in Into the Spider-Verse with, like, the casual, like, I think it is that as, like, Gentle just sort of jumps in. They're not the type to be flashy and showy, so they're just, like, like relaxing, like, all right. And they just sort of count to themselves, like, three, two, and then they just, like, turn that into a roll uh, and, like, land with a sliding, like, superhero landing almost. Um, and then they're just like, uh, hi, uh, my boss wanted to talk to you. And just point to Mercy. 
As you do that, you land on the stage and, oh my god, there are lights? Oh, uh, there are lights on this stage that were hidden, right, by the crowd. Like, sort of at the base of the stage, these blinding lights are shooting up to illuminate, like, magical light, right, from, um... Probably, like, imported from Uhanahi, like, a mixture of, like, thaumaturgical progress and technological advancement. Huge stage lights are, like, shooting up onto the stage as you stand there and pivot for a moment. And I need you to make a charisma saving throw. Oh, no. That's an 18. Okay, that's good. As you land, the entire crowd erupts into raucous applause. They think it's part of the act. Right? They start like clapping. They're like, whoa, they're cheering. They're throwing, trying to throw like flowers and glitter onto the stage. You see that like the security, the guards, sort of like at the base of the stage, they turn and they go, hey, but you can't really hear them over the music. It's so loud on the stage. They start rushing the stage, but Kane, this Tiefel, you see them up close now. They've got this like beautiful stage makeup on, right? This like eyeshadow that perfectly makes their like silver eyes pop. They've got like this lipstick that just like accentuates the deep midnight blue of their skin skin their tail sort of like is swaying from side to side decorated with these golden bangles and they just <laughs> they laugh like it was all planned and they twirl and they start to dance with you um and they like try, they're they're leading you in sort of like a the music changes into like a tango and they start leading you in sort of like a bachata like tango sort of uh duet situation uh they're like holding it like trying to spin and twirl you so with an 18 charisma save you are able to follow you follow, but you're like, oh god, <laughs> right? As like the music keeps going, and you hear the mask is helping. It definitely is, because maybe your face is like sheer panic, uh, and you hear like Kane's voice in your ear go, "Who wants to talk to me, darling?" Uh, mer- mercy. Uh, I'm part of the Hounds of Mercy. Hounds of Mercy, and like they fling you out, you know, and they like like rope you back in. Now, why is that name familiar? And their silver eyes glide through the audience. And like, it's almost like time slows as Kane starts looking through the audience. Their eyes land on Mercy. A flash of recognition settles over their face. And then their eyes slide past Mercy and land on Jaron. And there's like a moment, I think, where Jaron, you lock eyes with this beautiful midnight blue tiefling on stage who's dancing with Gentle. How are you doing, bud? I have an idea. Okay. I have an ability that okay. says that if I have been observing a creature for a minute or more outside of combat, there's a bunch of stuff I can learn, but it says DM discretion on other stuff I could potentially learn. Can I use this ability to essentially ascertain like, what is the best way to get Kane's attention and keep it in this moment? Flirt. Okay, easy. I have an idea. All right, so I think Jaron is going to turn to Mercy, who I assume is still under the effect of thaumaturgy, and is just going to say, "Hey, Mercy, can you clear can you clear a circle for me?" Just wait, around this area, yeah, you got yeah. it. Uh, darling, do you mind if I set you down for a second? Up to you, Sitlali. I pout a little, but yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Mercy shrugs you off and sort of gently puts you down, unsheaths her greatsword. And just sweeps it in a circle around her, and people, whoa, they like instinctively back up. Okay, was expecting you to use your voice. Did not, did not expect that. Um, Jaron is going to just, that's cool. Jaron is going to walk very, like, still locking eyes with Kane, is going to walk very ceremoniously to the middle of this circle that has formed, pulling out their rapier all the while. And something that's important to know about Jaron is that Jaron has learned to fight in Moreau's. 
on the ice of Zima Lake. It's really, really slippery. And so the way that Jaron fights is they are very light on their feet. And it's very, it, it is very like, I would say like ballet almost. So it is kind of a dance style. And Jaron just starts to, I think like twirl their rapier a little bit and in, like start moving, doing like little bits of footwork like they would if they were in a fight. Locking eyes with Kane invitingly. Okay, make a performance check, my good friend. Okay, I'm using my inspiration because that was garbage roll. We're doing, we're doing the you thing. Got it. <laughs> it's not much better. It's a nine. A nine. Okay, a nine. A nine. We'll take a nine. All right. Okay. You're. Quote unquote, like doing a little bit of a dance, a little bit of a groove as Mercy continues like clearing this area for you so people don't press back in. Kane <laughs> throws their head back, laughs, and sort of like very gracefully twirls you, gentle, toward like uh, an exit stage right. Um, they're like a flight of stairs going down to sort of like signal that you should get off the stage. Uh, they turn to the rest of the crowd and then they like they strike a pose. They like put out their hands and then they bow right as more fireworks go off and like the song reaches a crescendo lots of symbols maracas going off and like the entire crowd like cheers for the grand finale and like uh the song ends uh this this dance this set this performance has ended as the crowd is like woo clearing and and clapping a uh, cheering and clapping excuse me uh the the lights on the stage go down uh into like regular lights and Kane hops off the stage, uh, whispers something into the ear of a guard. The guards nod, and they open up the barricade to admit your party through, and just your party, no one else. Uh, Jaron looks over to Mercy and Sitlali. Well, shall we? <sighs> we shall. Hey, just uh, be before we go, just a word of caution to both of you. Like, uh, I wish Gentle was here, but well, what they did was pretty badass. You can't trust this tiefling, okay? I remember them from when I was here in Nabal. They're the protege of the former champion here, Bloodthirst, leader of the Kusing Guild, this thieves' guild here. Kane is not to be trusted. They are violent. They are combative. They are a snake in the grass. Just, oh, he hello! Because <laughs> at this point, like, you've, like, gotten through the barricade. And Kane comes up to all of you. There's like a very light sheen of sweat sort of glimmering off of their skin. Uh, and they like sort of like without looking at the servant, like take like a water skin from someone and just see, uh, draw on you in particular, see their throat sort of undulate as they like drink this water down and they hand it back to the servant and they turn and they look at all of you. And at this point, gentle, I think you've regrouped with the rest of your party. My, 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 mercy. It's been a while, hasn't it? I almost didn't recognize you, but it's the eye patch that gets me every time. That's how I remember. Kane, what are you doing here? Where's, where's Atalanta? At that, Kane pauses, looks genuinely surprised for like half a second. Uh... Sitlali, you would know who Atalanta is. Uh, Atalanta was the former champion of Nabal. Um, you're not sure what happened to her? Kane's here now? You don't see her anywhere? Uh, she was supposed to, like, uh, transfer championship uh, to someone else this year. But you've been uh, rather busy. <laughs> Predisposed, right, with the hounds. Oh, my. Haven't you heard? 
darling. Heard what? Where is she? <sighs> Don't tell me you're the new champion. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Just point me to her direction. Where, where's she living now? The Plaza of, of Death and Birth? Uh, the Plaza of Knowledge and Dreams? Uh, no, <laughs> no, Mercy, uh, this is awkward. I would have thought that word would have traveled across Antake by now. We've been predisposed. Atalanta is dead. What? Bloodthirst killed her. What? You little... And Mercy starts, like, moving aggressively toward Kane, like, reaching for her greatsword. Get in the way. Gentle. Put a hand on her arm. <sighs> yeah, I think Jaron also, like, still has their rapier out, I assume, and just kind of, like, brings it out in front of Mercy to say, like, stop. Let me go. This tiefling is bloodthirst protege. Don't Tell me you didn't have anything to do with it. Mercy, it's been a few years since you've been in Nabal. I'm not the same Cain, you know. I'm the champion now. Ah, oh, and here comes my regent. And all of you see a panther-like tabaxi uh, with a prosthetic arm. Uh, almost like an Iron Man arm, right? It's, like, it's like tricked out with like these like glowing lights and stuff. Uh, they've got this like uh, muzzle, you know, like this like muzzle with like whiskers and like this like you know scarred, scarred face. These like little round ears. This like midnight black tail. Uh, and Ree also has like leather armor on. Ree approaches and says, "My champion, are they giving you any problems?" Xiaohu. Uh, no, 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 no. Everything's fine, Xiaohu. Why don't you go back to uh, giving out autographs to the crowd? Uh, I don't think this is a very appropriate place to discuss situations. Why don't we head inside? Fine. I'll just kick your ass privately. I don't know if that'll have to be uh, necessary, Mercy, once you hear me out, but you were always one for acting instead of talking, weren't you? Come, come. Uh, and Kane turns like their tail swishing and begins to lead all of you um, toward the tower proper. As we're walking, Jaron goes up to Mercy and just kind of whispers, tell me more about that one. Which one? The raspy-voiced tabaxi or this tiefling? The tiefling. There's not else you need to know. They train under bloodthirst. They're an asshole manipulative little ugh, I just want to punch them in their smug little face sounds like my type stop Jerron I also don't believe them that Adelanta's dead there's no way she'd die to an asshole like bloodthirst no fucking way I couldn't tell you anything about that but I I don't think that people generally have reasons to pretend that others are dead <clears throat> it's just don't don't you two don't go to their room and they, whatever. It just, it, <sighs> and Mercy like composes herself and continues walking after Kane. I think uh, Sitlali having to move a little bit faster now that they're shorter uh, to keep up with Mercy kind of like, just like tries to drape an arm around their waist or her waist, just like companionably. <sighs> Thank you, Sitlali. I, uh, no, there's no way Atalanta's dead. There's, there's no way. As she just continues walking forward. Mm -hmm. And Gentle just sort of goes to Buns like, 
Was that jump cool or what? Oh my god, that jump was amazing! Can I do that? Can you teach me how to do that, Gentle? No. No. Why not? It comes with a lot of training, and uh, we can we can start with like a little jump, but okay. I don't. It takes a lot of time. How about this? And Bud leaps into the air and lands maybe like six feet away. Turns around, and looks at you. I give Bud jerky. <laughs> uh, predisposed with the jerky, Bud doesn't say anything else. Uh, until all of you are led, I think flanked by like a private retinue of guards, right? Into the Tower of Risk and Reward. You walk under one of its many huge archways and enter what feels sort of like Grand Central Station. Uh, it's like this massive atrium with all sorts of like shops like built around the side, little like uh, tchotchke stalls set up as well. And most interestingly enough, various raised daises all over this area um, that people are like stepping up onto and you see like wizards at the base like waving a wand and boom, like a pillar of light shoots up from engraved runes on the surface of each dais and like teleports them higher up into the tower. You see they're like molecules sort of like disintegrating as they go up uh, through this beam of light and magic. Kane starts leading all of you to like a private dais that doesn't have a line in front of it. And as they walk, like everyone around like will stop to go, ooh, you know, almost like they're a celebrity, right? Uh, and like the retinue are sort of like like paparazzi guards, like shoving them away, like private bodyguards, like like creating like a buffer zone between you and all these adoring citizenry. Kane leads you all to a particular dais, a private one just for them. But there's someone at the dais waiting. And Sitlali, you recognize this person very well, I think. All of you see a fire Ganassi tiefling, half fire Ganassi, half tiefling, uh, with this deep red skin that sort of like turns black at their forearms and their hands and their fingers. Uh, their horns sort of curl up and they're obsidian with cracks. Uh, through the horn that vent steam just sort of ambiently and like glow like a dark magmatic red underneath and their eyes are pure gold sort of in contrast to Kane's pure silver eyes uh, and they're wearing this light leather armor with a colorful sash tied around their waist Sitlali this is uh this is Sybil I don't know if Sybil would recognize you in this form don't think so. The eye, I will say that the eyes are the same, but that is the only thing that is the same. And the color, no, the color scheme is different. The eyes are the same. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Lolly, how are you responding to this as the group starts to approach? I think they stop for a minute. Uh, not, not a minute. That's too long. But like they, they stop, they stop, they stagger. And then they kind of like, I think they glance down at themselves and they like kind of check what color ha their hair is right now. And they're like, Okay, no, we're good. We're good. We're good. And then keep moving. Okay, you keep moving. Uh, as you do, Kane uh, puts up a hand for the retinue to stop and like strides forward to approach this fire Ganassi tiefling like on their own. But the conversation they have, I think all of you can hear. Uh, Kane just goes, Sybil, I thought I made it very clear that you need to leave. Your kind is not welcome here. And Sybil responds being like, Kane, Kane, Kane. Can't an old friend just swing by and say hello? We are not friends. Trust me, if we were, you'd know. 
<laughs> you know what they say, Kane. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. You don't have to lecture me. I taught you that phrase. What are you doing here? I'm here to help. I'm here to play nice. You have a little, uh, disbanded thieves guild problem, don't you? You are not setting up more Aurochs outposts here. I am not going to allow- Whoa, 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 whoa. Kane, that's not what I want at all. I'm here with an olive branch. I'm here to help. Everyone who was part of Kusing can come to Aurochs. I'll take them off your hands. At that, Kane pauses. You have a week. If there are still Kusing Guild members or, pray tell, Aurochs Guild members in Nabal, I kill you. You understand? Crystal clear, Kane. Crystal clear. And if I smell anything suspicious, Sybil, if I see even a single rumor about Aurochs gaining a foothold here, I kill you too. And I kill all your men. You understand? Crystal clear. Good. And Kane turns to the rest of you and says, Well, come along now, follow. And like steps up onto the dais like nothing had happened between them and this like red tiefling, uh, Fire Ganassi, and starts gesturing for y'all to get up onto the platform with them. I'll hop on. Tron will okay. also hop on, but as they're doing that, they kind of just like give Kane a look and say, Seems you rule with an iron fist around here. <laughs> you have to, darling. In hard times, people need strong leadership. Darling? I didn't know we knew each other like that. <clears throat> Don't think you're special, Jaron. They talk like that to everyone. Mercy says, sort of stepping up onto the dais as well. I think before Sitlali steps up, they pause next to Sybil, and they lock eyes. And they just say, um, Emerity Bright sends their regards. Sybil cocks their head to one side looking at you, and their eyes scan you. Are you trying to hide the fact that you are Temerity Bright? No. Okay, then I think they make this uh, inside check with advantage. Natural 20! <laughs> Natural 20 from the GM! <laughs> okay, uh... I think what that means is like a look of recognition falls on this fire Ganassi tiefling's face. Like the gold of their eyes, like glimmer. Their eyebrows raise. <sighs> well, I'll be damned. Temerity, you don't look like yourself. You know, new look, different day. <laughs> same, same me. Sitlali, tell me how you screwed Sybil over before you left. I think that Sybil probably came for the reading, stayed for the one night stand, and I think they were supposed to get drinks the next day, but that was the night that Mercy recruited them. So, so they you stood them up. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. On to bigger and brighter futures, I see. Uh, and Sybil's golden eyes fall on Mercy. Seems true for you as well. <laughs> I'm sure I'll see you around. Probably. You know where to find me. Dabathati's always waiting for you, if you know where to look. We'll see. You still owe me a drink, Temerity. Uh, they say as, like, light starts to rise from, like, the ground, right? 
magic starts to tighten around you. Uh, yep. I- I'm sorry, what? It says mercy, and then poosh, like all of you just like like disappear out of there. Like it's an odd feeling being teleported uh, by runic magic. I think it's sort of like your molecules are separating in the ether, and then they just come back and like reattach to the frame of your body in a completely new location. And as the light dies down, all of you, Kane included, I don't think the private guard came, um, land in this like shadowy atrium with a domed ceiling uh, and like a single hallway leading out. Uh, And I think there's sort of like a crystalline windows up by the domed ceiling that allow like clearly magical light to like shine through and like illuminate like the dark shadowy dust uh, filling this room. And you see paintings, dozens of beautiful oil paintings decorating the walls and the ceilings and between the windows of this atrium. Paintings of past champions and their regents of Nabal. You see a painting of Cain in like the principal spot on the wall, sort of like posing very elegantly with Xiaohu, uh, sort of like like crossing rear arms over rear chest and looking very grouchy, sort of out of place, like in the painting, and Cain looking very regal, like illuminated by a shaft of light. Um, the painting next to Cain's is one of a Triton woman. Uh, and I think there are nameplates labeled in all eight languages. This one is labeled Atalanta champion of Nabal. A uh, Triton woman with these pearlescent like horns coming out of her forehead. Uh, she's like a tiefling Triton. And these like long kelp green waves of hair that sort of spill past her, her uh, steel pauldrons. She's grasping a golden trident uh, in front of her chest and looks very regal. And next to her is a small uh, satyr person. Uh, with like a, a, a swarm of like they're sort of like smiling and laughing with like dark skin and this sort of like um, dark uh, braided hair uh, and they're laughing as surrounded by like a swarm of bees uh, Regent Bomba and you see the next set of uh, portraits after Atalanta so the champion before her has been slashed like the like just completely slashed right like the picture is slashed shredded like the nameplate has been taken off of the wall you can't tell who it was Come along, come along. Uh, Kane says as they begin to tap down the hallway. <sighs> yeah, uh, what is it, gentle? Oh, I had a question for, um, and I point to Kane. Go ahead. You can ask, gentle. You don't always need permission to speak. I prefer to not overstep. Um, uh, Kane. Yes, hun. And Kane turns around and starts walking backward. How have you been the, uh, champion? <laughs> About a week, darling. Eight days. To the dot. Rather, this is the eighth night of my championship. Oh, you wanted to change a decent amount, or at least you're, you're taking it seriously. That little display downstairs at the base wasn't just me entertaining my own narcissistic flights of fancy, though that's definitely a part of it. The people of Nabal need hope. They need happiness. It can't just be grief and despair and pain all the time. We need a little bit of fun. We need to cut loose. I think it's good. Good for morale. I'm glad to see somebody else agrees with me. Oh? Yes, well, you see, Mercy over here has uh, made it a rule, I suppose, that we are supposed to be working all the time, but... I don't remember making that rule. I just said... Take your job seriously. And I do. 
But, you know, every now and then it's fun to cut loose, play back, have a little fun. Don't you think, Mercy? Now's not the time for fun. You, Kane, tell me about Atalanta. All things in due time, Mercy. We're almost at a good meeting spot. And Kane pauses in front of a huge gilded double door, and like four guards stand in front of it, like in full plate armor, right, with these like giant halberds. And they like nod as like Kane approaches, and they like push open this. It takes four people to open. They push open this huge door uh, to reveal a massive throne room, huge vaulted arched ceiling, these pillars, you know, of of marble and stone holding up the roof, big windows letting in, like, dark light from outside, and at the very back, stairs leading up to a throne. You also see, like, a long table uh, in, uh, in the middle of the hall uh, leading up to the stairs. And instead of sitting in the throne, Kane approaches the long table and takes a seat at the table, like, sits down in front of, like, the biggest chair, instead of, like, sitting on the ceremonial, like, like king throne of the championship. Sits down and gestures for the rest of you to follow. I think Jerron makes a show of making sure to sit down in the seat next to Kane or closest to Kane. Mercy is just like shaking her head, grumbling under her breath as you do, and she sits across from you and holds open a chair for Sitlali. Which I take without taking my eyes off of Jerron. Mm-hmm. Bud also gets a seat, I think. Bud like sits up into the chair and squats down. I sit next to Bud. <laughs> Cute! I love it! Uh, at the head of the table, Kane steeples their uh, ring-covered fingers, right? They smile like the sort of bands of gold along their horns twinkling under the lights. Mercy, I truly hate to break it to you, but I wasn't lying. Atalanta died about a week ago. Bloodthirst killed her. Right there. Uh, and they turn and, like, look at the throne. They... Hmm. How do you explain this? Bloodthirst was in possession of a power that made him much stronger than he usually is. That's how he was able to beat Atalanta. I'm sure on even footing she would have destroyed him. Mercy just sort of sits there staring at Kane, like with a very oddly calm face. You speak of bloodthirst as though you dislike him, Kane. When last I checked, he was your father, your mentor, someone you loved. I've changed, as I'm sure we all have. And Kane sort of looks at each of you at this table. So what, you're champion now and she's just gone and i i missed the funeral didn't i i and like mercy just sort of like falls silent like staring down at like the wood in front of her i just kind of slip a hand under hers my condolences mercy i lost someone dear to myself as well bloodthirst died after the confrontation a couple of heroes rode into town and took care of the problem for us. Heroes? Like, who? Kane, I think, with that, just sort of smiles and says, did you know that the Paragons are back? Yes. Yeah. For a while, actually. 
Uh-huh. Then this doesn't need much explaining. You see, the paragon of Scod and Nectus was the one who fixed the carnival. Surely you've heard of the carnival. Can't say you have. <laughs> what an odd group of people. You've heard of the paragons. You know of Atalanta. And yet you don't know that she died and that the carnival happened here. Allow me to explain. Ever since the cataclysm, strange rumors of a carnival deep within Clothal jungle have spread across all of Rosso and Nabal. Adventurers who heed its music and venture deep into the jungle are never to be seen again, that is, until Atalanta, our very own champion up until a week or so ago, issued the next championship challenge. Whoever could enter Clotho and stop this carnival would be crowned the next champion of Nabal. Needless to say, I, of course, had to enter as did several hundred other people. But what we found deep in the jungle... And at that, Kane's face actually turns rather serious. I think they were kind of smirking this entire time, but the smirk sort of slides off and they look, like, genuine for just, like, a half second. What we found in the jungle... None of us could have anticipated. And then they smile again. And then, of course, the carnival exploded. Bloodthirst got his hands on... Divine magic, let's say, that was inside me first. Confronted Atalanta, killed her. Some heroes came by. We went to the roof of the tower, confronted Bloodthirst, and then, uh... And then I killed him. I stabbed him through his heart, and then he died. Why is that one holding their hand up? Uh, that's just something Gentle does. Uh, yes, Gentle. Did you know what, who the other Paragons were in terms of what, what, who were they the, the champions for? Well, one of the heroes uh, amongst the party that helped me and the rest of the championship restore balance to Rasso. One of them was, of course, the Paragon of Scott and Nectus we all saw. After Bloodthirst grabbed this divine power for himself, he caused some sort of crimson mist to spill all over our capital. I'm sure you saw remnants of the disaster that mist wrought upon our people on your way here. But within the mist, we could see everything through Bloodthirst's eyes, and we saw the truth of what had happened after the Cataclysm. We saw the shattered echoes of our gods, Scod and Nectus, roiling within, within Bloodthirst one half, and the other half, within this elf woman, pale-skinned, green scales around her face, long blonde hair, goes by the name V. Noxcherzo. She was able to best Bloodthirst with the help of her friends, and reunite the shattered lovers within her own soul, thus becoming a fully realized paragon. This is a question for you, Connie. Go ahead. We had seen wanted posters, or like not wanted posters, but like posters yes. of this party. Heroes before. of Dabathati, yes. Do we I, recognize this description yes, in this do. name? Yep, you absolutely do. Okay. Does Mercy still have that poster on her? Yes. She's scrambling right now to pull it out. As she holds it out and says, Was this the party? And it's the one with Oka, and now you know V, the Birdman, uh, and the really tall half-orc uh, woman. The very same. Was the rest of this group with this V person? 
They were? Pity. You just missed them, actually. Where are they headed? Actually, you know what? No, that's that's not important. Uh, it's kind of important. I... I need a minute. Uh... Uh, Titlolly, uh, can you, uh... And Mercy just sort of, like, scoots her chair back. Uh, she looks, like, dissociated. Like, super out of it. After, like, hearing all of this about Atlanta, like, everything. Uh... And she, like, gets up and says, Well, put a pin in this. I... I need some air. Of course. There's a balcony just right outside. Take a left. And Mercy gets up, nods, and turns and starts to walk out of the throne room. I follow question mark? Okay. Yeah. See, Lolly, you follow her. She looks really upset. Like, very distressed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You follow your girlfriend. Okay. Out of the throne room. I don't feel good about sharing information when half of your group is away, mostly because I don't like repeating myself. Uh, So you, gentle, was it? Uh Uh-huh. And Jaron? Yes. Make yourselves comfortable. And who's a good little doggy? You want some steak? At that, uh, Bud perks up. Arf! Uh, and Kane, out of nowhere, procures, like, a plate of just raw steak. Like, it was just a flourish. Like, procures a huge plate of raw steak and slides it down to Bud. And Bud goes, ah, steak! Out loud. And starts eating it. I'm sorry, did uh, you both just... Uh, uh, it's a funny story. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Kate, Kate is looking at you, gentle, with like, like a, like a amused and curious smile. Like, go on. Uh, a friend of mine uh, taught Bud how to talk. Fascinating. You know, back in my heyday, I would have loved to recruit your Bud. Was it into one of my acts? <laughs> More steak. You got it, buddy. Uh, and Kane flings another plate of like steak at Bud, and Bud like catches it and <sighs> starts eating it. Yeah, Bud, Bud's the best. He's, he's my little pride and joy. Well, why don't the two of you make yourselves comfortable here? There are a series of rooms you can reach if you take that left, make another left past the balcony. I'm actually... This is new to me, this whole area, and I would hate to get lost. Do you mind walking me to my room? <laughs> Certainly. Follow me, Jaron. Uh, and Kane gets up, tail swishing, and sort of starts to saunter out of out of the throne room. Uh, Jaron will follow. Um, ideally, trying to walk like like next to Kane, like not following behind. Okay. Yeah, you walk abreast, Kane. How tall are you again? Five ten. Okay. Y'all are about the same height, then, in that case. Uh, you start, like, walking out of the throne room together, and Kane looks up at you. <laughs> you look like you know your way around a dagger. Oh, this? And Jaron pulls out, like, a dagger, and it's probably, like, made in, like, very traditional, like, Morosi style. So, like, the mm-hmm. carvings on the handle probably have uh, the same imagery that you would expect from, like, Nibusas. Uh, like, people that worship Nibusa, essentially. Ooh. What beautiful craftsmanship. You must tell me all about it on the way to your room. I have so many different stories I could tell you of Moreau's. Have you ever been? I have not. I hear it's very cold. So cold. It's an everlasting winter over there. It's really something to behold. 
once you're on Zima Lake, but the cold, you know, there it makes it so that you have to get kind of creative to get warm. Really? Especially at night, I imagine, all by your lonesome under those deer hide blankets. Yes, when you're on your own, I'm afraid it's not enough to stay warm. Sometimes you need another person there. Fascinating. Uh, Kane says, Jensu, hear all of this. Uh, as like they like exit the throne room and their like voices are disappearing down the hallway, right? Uh, and gentle, you're left alone in the throne room for a few beats, I think. Uh, just like, Bud is like licking the plate and like looking around sadly for more. Steak? No more steak? I don't think so, buddy. Um, I still have some, I, I still have some seasonings and a little bit of jerky I can get you. Uh, this will be a good place to get some more. What's your passive perception, gentle? Uh, 18. Okay. As you're sort of like looking around, you know, like talking to Bud and like reassuring your wolf pup, your ears perk up, your footsteps coming from behind you, accompanied almost immediately by a voice sort of speaking out of the shadows, a familiar voice that you just heard a few minutes ago. The voice of Sybil goes, excuse me, I don't mean to startle. And coming out of the shadows, sort of like appearing out of like nowhere, almost like they were invisible or something, uh, is that fire Ganassi tiefling. And you see these shadows sort of ripple off their body and like disappear back, like behind like a pillar that they were like lurking behind. They're holding both their hands up uh, in sort of like a gesture of pacifism. I don't mean to startle you. I don't believe we've properly met. I'm Sybil from downstairs. Uh, Nice to meet you. I'm gentle. Uh, Would you like some tea? I would love some tea. And Sybil, like, carefully walks forward, is, like, looking around. You get the sense of, like, maybe looking out to see if, like, Kane's gonna come back. (laughs) I'm not technically allowed up here. But I, I had to come up, uh, you see. And Sybil, like, sits down next to you and starts accepting the tea that you're making. I'm here on business, but I couldn't help but notice the looks that Cain and your dragonborn friend were trading. Yeah, it was a lot. The only reason I'm coming up here, really, oh, one of them, is uh, I wanted to make sure that your friend would be okay. When you say okay, what do you mean? <laughs> You're, you seem new to Nabal. Uh, Cain is known for their mind-bending magic. Uh, charm magic as a bard, a very good dancer. They're able to bend people to their will. I'm not sure if you've encountered this sort of magic before. Uh, to make you fall in love with someone. To make you oh, infatuated with them. You have? Yeah, then uh, you're one of my friends. I'm very sorry to hear that. Then you're they familiar... Good. Good. I... It's a bad situation to be in. I'm sure you're familiar with the stakes involved here. I would hate for your friend to be under the same kind of spell I've seen Cain wrought upon so many other people. I've known them most of my life, and I, I will know if they're acting a little weird. But also, they can be pretty stubborn. Mm. And if we were to say this is dangerous and not a good idea, that's only going to push them to try it more. Mm. Well, perhaps I can be of assistance then. 
Uh, you see, my ability to move around the tower is limited. Kane has put out a lot of guards looking for someone that looks like me. But Kane seems to trust you for some reason, your group. I know for a fact uh, that on the 45th floor of this tower, Kane has a secret room where they keep uh, magically enchanted gems, uh, goblets, all sorts of items imbued with their own enchantment. If you find the one that fits the enchantment they're trying to put on your friend and break it, that should remove any sort of hold they have over over your dragonborn ally. Okay. Hmm. Do you have anything else about it? Admittedly, magic isn't my forte, but I could probably get up there. You know the ring around their horn? The gold one, the bangle. That one's hmm. new. I'd look for a ring that looks like that bangle in their storage unit. I also couldn't help but notice, uh, during the dance performance I was in the crowd watching, you ran up some buildings. You might be able to just scale your way down the tower from here. I thought about that. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah. It's a thing I can do sometimes. Good, good. Well, better act sooner than later. I would hate for your friend to be under King's thrall for longer than is necessary. Are you going to be okay for telling me any of this? I am putting myself at risk, but as long as you don't tell, and this one doesn't tell. Uh, and Sybil sort of ruffles uh, Bud's fur. Bud's just going, What? <laughs> and it can speak. Yeah. Um, I lift my mask up and I smile a little bit. Um, oh my, you're gorgeous. People keep saying that. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, now, if Bud trusts you, I'll trust you, so. Um, I just hope you don't get in any trouble with Kane. I'll be fine. I've got a keen ear for their kind of footsteps. I can watch Bud, was it, while you go? But I might have to leave Bud alone if Kane returns. Bud, if anything goes wrong... And I do say this in Morosi, I think. Mm -hmm. Just make sure you find uh, Sitlali and Mercy, okay? Okay, will do. Um, and tell them that if that I have it handled, if there's anything they're worried about. Will do. I love you. Uh, ruffle. I love you too, buddy. Uh, and Bud like happily snarks at you, uh, and Sybil just smiles. <laughs> well. A wolf pup that can speak multiple languages? I've never heard of such a thing. He's my pride and joy. I can tell the two of you have a very special connection. Hey! And Sybil reaches out and touches your hand, if you'll let them. Uh, yeah. Thank you for doing this. Actually, I was gonna try to do it myself, but I figured the stakes might be too high for so little a reward for someone I don't know, but... You're a very kind-hearted person. I'd like to help my friends, and anyone who wants to help me help my friends is a friend. Of course. Well, I'll be waiting here. I'll take good care of Bud. And we'll both, we'll both howl if anything goes awry. Yes, yes we will. Uh, and then I think I get up and I, uh, do you have any directions to the right, to the, is it just the entire floor or is it a room? It of course, let me draw you a graph. Jaron, Kane, tail swishing, 
leads you past, I think, a uh, balcony, an open balcony with curtains uh, that cover it. You see through the curtains very briefly sit Lolly and Mercy standing out on the railing, looking out over Rosso, uh, the breeze ruffling through their hair. But you move past it as Kane continues leading you down this hall, makes a left, uh, and toward uh, a door at the end of this hallway, a very beautiful double oak door carved from a fine grain wood with these golden handles on it. You surmise, this must be the champion's quarters. Kane isn't showing you to some guest bedroom. They're showing you to their room. They step up to the bedroom doors and fling them open. And inside you see like, it's as big as some people's houses, uh, like a massive, just like master room with like a bed on like a raised platform, like the back, like this huge, like mirror just covers like one entire half of the room. There's even like an area for like dance practice with like sprung Marley on the floor in front of the mirror and railings. You see like a balcony, several balconies, like another room that's probably like a private bath off to the side, like a little study with like a, a swinging uh, ladder that can like go up to like various books on like high shelves. It's like its own little house in here and it's beautiful. There's a chandelier that freaking hangs from the ceiling and like these little like glowing fairy lights magically suspended by the window. Wow, is this your way of passing on the championship to me? <laughs> oh, if only that was how this worked. Get on the bed. Oh, really, just like that? Kane shoulders uh, the door shut and starts like walking up to you. I think like maybe you're, you were like taking in the room, but they like press up against like your chest and start like walking you backward toward the bed. I think Jaron puts up the slightest bit of resistance just so that Kane can feel it, can feel that there's like a little bit that they have to push, but ultimately like lets Kane push them back onto the bed. As you fall onto the mattress, right, <laughs> Kane giggles a little bit. And as you fall like, against the pillows, they snap a finger. Uh, and you see these ropes come up like from the headboard. Uh, and they like float in the air next to you. And Kane cocks their head for permission. Uh, with your consent taken, because consent's important, friends, uh, the ropes like wind around your wrists and sort of like pull you gently. So you're sort of like splayed up against the headboard. Jaron like, will look up into Kane's eyes and just with this, I think like huge like smirk on their face is just gonna say, what, so you plan on keeping me here forever then? So what the fuck is wrong with you? Excuse me? You, what's wrong with it? With it, I have a name. Jaron, I know you. They won't stop talking about you, they never did. So what's wrong with you, exactly? Who are you talking about? I have never met you before. <sighs> Oka. Who else? <laughs> Why would Oka talk about me? Why wouldn't they? They love you. <laughs> love me? That's a joke. <laughs> That's a joke? That's bullshit. You and I both know it. What do you- who are you, even? You think that- what? What is this? You're trying to sleep around with me, with every little pretty thing you see, to fill what? That hole 
that Oka left behind because they're gone? Is that it? I think Jaron's like heaving now in like disbelief and also like annoyance um, that this is where all of this has gone. <laughs> you don't know me. We have just met. Maybe you know, know Oka, but I don't know you, <laughs> darling. Oka and I fucked each other's souls in the carnival. I know everything about Oka, and they know everything about me. And as Kane says that, they get onto the bed and they straddle you, like looking down at you. What? You what? <laughs> you think that just because Oka's gone, Oka left you means they don't love you? Still, they love you so much, Jaron. Their heart breaks with it. But they haven't... I haven't... Then why haven't they tried to contact me, tried to talk to me? If you have, what did you say, fucked their soul or whatever, you should know the answer to that. It's complicated. They think... They're scared you're dead, Jaron, and they can't bear the thought of a future without you in it. They went to Bolshaya. They tried. They were in Morose. They heard of what happened at the capital. They thought you... They sent a letter, and it came back. No, but they would... They would know where to, where to send it. it. With mercy, they know how to contact. Well, last they heard, you were celebrating Adolin in Bolshaya. And look what happened to the capital. I think Jaron is just kind of having like a hard time even like processing any of this. Like, this is not what they thought was going to happen in oh, this sure. moment. Yeah, yeah. At I mean, all. And they're yeah. just they're just here like, ooh, okay, okay. I think Jaron like looks Kane up and down for a second. Like looks into their eyes. And says, do you really know Oka as well as you say you do? I know they have other names. I know they were Prince Makoya Hien, exiled from the kingdom of Tulong for sacrilege and treason, for slaying a holy beast that went berserk, for trying to protect their sisters, and what did they get from it but pain and banishment? I know that their family has been waiting seven years for them to return. They've waited seven years to go back to too long. <laughs> I know that everything they've ever done in their life has been to become someone worthy enough to go back home. It's not even about missing their family, though that is, of course, a big part of it. It's about overcoming their own darkness, their own monstrosity, their own failures and shame, and now they finally have the opportunity to do that more than that in the carnival. I saw that monstrosity in them, and they saw the monstrosity in me, and we saw that we were both beautiful. I think for the first time, Jaron kind of smiles a little bit at that. I guess it was nice that you met each other then. Maybe needed for, for them. For you. That's one way of putting it. The winds of fate brought us together, and now they've separated us again. 
But just because they're gone, Jaron, just because Oka isn't literally here in this room with us right now, doesn't mean they don't love you. Doesn't mean they don't love me, don't love us. <laughs> I'm not a baby with object impermanence. Just because a person I love is out of frame doesn't mean they don't exist or don't love me any less. I'm not a baby. It's not about them being here or not being here. It's then what is it? They never... I never got to say goodbye. I didn't know. <gasps> because it's not goodbye yet, silly. How do you even know that? I have confidence. <laughs> in confidence, I'm supposed to just believe in that. Your confidence. It's called trust, silly. Uh, and Kane sort of like pushes a little against your chest. And why should I trust you? <laughs> This is Nabal, darling. This is the realm of the lovers. You want to know why? Because love, and they trace a hand down the side of your cheek, is the greatest risk. And they cup your cheek between a, th a thumb and index finger. And the greatest reward, Jaron, to love someone is to open yourself to pain, to disappointment, to heartbreak. That's just a part of life. You can't reap the rewards of being loved by keeping your heart closed, honey. By playing your cards close to your chest. You have to wear that shit on your sleeve. And even if you do play your cards close to your chest, Jaron, you're not very good at bluffing. Take it from someone who is. I have not tried to lie to you once today. How would you know? You didn't have to. <laughs> you have heartbreak written all over your face. Well then, if you are so good at reading people, and at reading me, I suppose, then what do you see? Uh, at that, Kane's hand lifts from your chin, sort of like, they ripple their fingers with consideration, looking down into your eyes. I see someone who loves Oka. I see someone whom Oka loves very much. I see someone very brave. Uh, and they like rest a hand sort of on your collarbone. I see someone who cares very deeply about the people around him. And I see someone whose story in this world has not yet been told fully. I think in the moment of silence that follows that statement, Jaron bucks their like legs, like their lower half, to bring to kind of force Kane to be closer to them, like to kind of like fall down onto onto their chest, uh, and with their faces really close to one another. Jaron is just going to kind of like look into Kane's eyes longingly. Kane if, falls. Yeah, uh, sorry, Cain falls down without resistance, like their dark blue hair sort of spilling around like your face and your neck. And they smell really nice, right? And it's all like, like flowing around the air around you now. And they look down at you, those silver eyes glimmering. What if we wrote part of that story right now? Something better than all of this. Cain snaps their fingers. Uh, and the rope binding your wrists up, like, 
slackens and falls off. Uh, so you sort of like catch yourself uh, on the pillows and the mattress underneath you. And as you fall down, Kane falls forward and kisses you. I think Jaron, with their hands free, like wraps their arms around Kane and like pulls them in closer. And as the two of you kiss, uh, I think the cur- like a breeze flows into the room as like the chiffon curtains sort of like wave in the wind. And when the chiffon curtains sort of die down, it's a different couple on a different balcony that we see. Sitlali, you stand next to Mercy, who's just sort of like looking out over like the glittering lights of Rosso and just like the barest hint of the shoreline of Ingear Lake in the distance. And her like auburn hair, like this dark red hair, uh, brown red hair, sort of like flowing in the wind. <sighs> she lets out this deep sigh and starts like running her fingers along this knot in like her trapezius muscle. Here, let me. And I'll reach around or go behind and s- start to work my little hands into the. <laughs> <laughs> work your little hands! <laughs> <laughs> affectionately yeah 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 of course of course yeah (sighs) mercy sort of sighs in contentment as you like rub at her back and her shoulder Mm -hmm. she was in love you know not with me with someone else you know who this elven woman named voska she came to the championship once, and Adelanta fell in love. I can see why. Think, I've met her. Do you think she's still around, or...? She's a good fighter. I'll give her that. I'm better, but she's good. If of anyone... <laughs> if anyone could have survived the Cataclysm, I guess Vosca would be it. <laughs> Though if anyone could have survived the Cataclysm, I would have put gold on Adelanta. I guess she technically did, but bloodthirst. And she sort of trails off. Mm. I don't want there to be secrets between us, Mercy. But I also don't want to stress you out, so. What are you talking about, Sitlali? You remember when we met the first time? I didn't exactly look like this. Of course, you're a changeling. I, uh, you know how, um, I always say it's very important to keep a list of, um, people you've, you know, been involved with, uh, and- Yeah, the sex list. It's not quite that, it's more of a- I have one of those, um- You have an ex. Well, I have several exes, but we don't need (laughs) to talk about those. Um- but, um, that tiefling Genasi? Oh, what? Who? The, the one at the base? Mm-hmm. What about them? Wait, don't tell me. Did you two? That's what the... I see. Uh, I'm not one to throw stones from glass houses, sit lolly. I've had my fair share of fucked up exes. Are you okay? Are they... Are they dangerous? Oh. I didn't... 
screw them over that badly. How badly did you screw them over, Sitlali? I, um, I maybe pulled a little bit of an ochre on that one. <gasps> you stood them up? Well, um. Why? They're hot. Well, I, you asked me to come work for you. No shit. That was the same night. The night you left Rasa with me, you left them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How serendipitous. Yeah, I, um, may have forgotten to put them on the list. Ah. <laughs> uh, I don't think they'll be a problem, though. Probably. Um. They seem to have some business, Thieves Guild related with Kane. Kane doesn't like to, doesn't seem to like the guild they're from at all. No. I never paid attention to politics when I was here, so I don't really know anything about that. I was more concerned with, um... Other things, I'm sure, I'm sure. You'll have to tell me all the gory details later. Uh, maybe I can share you a couple of them instead. <laughs> but I figured huh. it would be better to tell you before it became a problem if it is a problem. Thank you for telling me, Sitlali. If they try to pull any shit... I've got a greatsword with their name written on it. And I think Sitlali just kind of kisses Mercy on the shoulder. Because you're way too short. Yeah, uh, Mercy, <laughs> Mercy bends down and kisses you properly, holds you tightly. And then when she, like, lets go, she looks much better. Like, she looks a lot more stable and centered. I know what I have to do. I miss the funeral, but there's still something I can give Atalanta. You want me to um, go with you? No, here will be fine. Okay. Uh, she pulls out a knife and puts her hand out and just sort of, you know, drags the knife uh, around her hand, <laughs> winces a little, and then squeezes it out over the balcony. And as, like, the blood dribbles down, 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 hundreds of stories, she just sort of looks up into the starless night sky and says, This one's for you, Atalanta. This one's for you. Now she releases her fist. Let's go to Gentle. Gentle, how have you been uh, getting to the 45th floor? Probably just walking around looking lost. Around, around like, inside the tower? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the way to get between floors uh, is either through the outside. Like, okay, there are a series of stairs that wrap around the outside of the tower that have no railings and no banisters. So that's you can fine, either then. go through the stairs that. outside. Okay, great. Yeah, awesome. that's totally fine. Cool. So you've just sort of been like huffing your way down these stairs. They're maybe um, 20 feet across, right? And no railings. You pass a couple of people going up and down as well. They look to be like jogging, maybe like joggers, <laughs> like exercising. I think I like whenever that happens, I just like sort of. Uh, to pull, to like pull a Lucio and just sort of like wall ride and then just go right back into it. <laughs> oh my god, I love it! Yeah, you go up and then back down. And you're jogging, 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 and up here the atmosphere is really thin and it's quite cold because you're so high up in the air, right? If you look over the edge, you're gonna get vertigo a little bit, I think. And we're not gonna describe that too much. Uh, so, gentle as you're huffing it down, maybe you're like counting the stories until you reach. What you surmise is the 45th floor, because it's also marked by numbers on the outside, which is very helpful. You've jogged all the way down from the 200th floor to the 45th floor, right? Uh, and you've reached like a landing balcony area uh, 
that you can enter into if you would so like. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Gentle, you hop onto this, like, balcony landing, and you enter into this, like, warm, glowing atrium space. This seems to be, like, a social space. Maybe, like, the equivalent of, like, a lounge. You know what I mean? Uh, for people to just, like, sit around and hang out. Uh, you see several, like, uh, floor cushions all around. There's sort of, like, smoke just hanging lazily in the air as people are smoking, like, handled cigarettes and also puffing on, uh, puffing on hookahs. Um, uh, and there's sort of, like, several folks sitting around various tables playing mahjong, uh, and all kinds of chess with each other. And no one really spares you a second glance as you come in. It seems like it's pretty common for people to come and go from the stairs outside. Would perception be able to get me to see anything that might be sort of what was described? Um, you also have the map room? with you. Yeah, sure, you have the map that Sybil drew for you, so you can just follow the map, honestly, if you want. I'm gonna follow it, but I'm gonna roll stealth so it doesn't, or sleight of hand, something like that, so it seems like I'm not, like, reading from it too hard. Yeah, why don't you roll perf- either performance or stealth? I'm going to trust the one I know I'm better at, so I'm gonna go with stealth. That was a 23. That's really good. You blend right in with, like, the patrons in this, like, lounge, gambling, smoking parlor, right? And you, like, very surreptitiously consult the map, uh, which tells you to go out into the hallway, take a right, and it's the second door on the left. Right, this, I think this is it. Uh, is there, like, a handle or something on there? Just sort of give it a light jiggle and make sure it works. It's good. Yeah, there's, like, a, a, a doorknob uh, on this and you, you don't speak Nabalish, do you i forget or do you i do yes okay I do. uh yeah you see a sign in Nabalish on the door that says restroom oh perfect uh just try the door knob see if it let, if i can get in it's unlocked you go inside and you enter a privy a restroom a single saw restroom uh you see like a toilet a sink and maybe like a uh another door inside the restroom for like cleaning supplies or something but the door is closed I'm going to try investigation, maybe. Okay, yeah, roll investigation. That's a lot of intelligence for someone who does not have a ton of it. Wow, all right, 18. Uh, never mind. Gentle's getting lucky. That's good. Uh, as far as you can tell, this is a normal restroom. You see a toilet. Uh, it looks recently cleaned. You can still smell cleaning supply in the air. Uh, like a wiped-down mirror, a sink, uh, a bar of soap. Uh, and that the only thing that sticks out to you is like another door in the restroom that's closed. That's maybe, like, quite small. Again, looks to be, like, a cleaning supply closet. But the door's closed. I'll try it just to see. You try the door, and it's locked. I might try to just break the lock. Okay, make a strength check. Oh, why'd I do that? No, I'm still lucky. Uh, it's a 14. That's enough. Uh, you crack the lock open. You, like, break some of the wood off. It's quite flimsy wood. You know what I mean? And, oh, it just sort of, like, comes open. The door swings open to reveal cleaning supplies. And with your 18 investigation from earlier, you're looking at, maybe you even like, huh, you see like rolls of toilet paper. You see like jars and bottles filled with like fluids, right? And like shelves of like towels and like paper towels. Like you see like a mop and a bucket and a broom. With your 18 investigation, you look through all of these things. You even uncork one of the bottles maybe and sniff it. Yeah, it smells like cleaning. It's cleaning supplies. There's no, like, hidden back panel. There's no switch. Nothing. But this is, if you follow the map to the T, this is where it leads. I'll probably step outside. Um, and I'll just, curse, like, do a cursory walk through the floor to make sure there's nothing else that maybe sees yeah. anything to me. 
Several of the other, the rest of the doors in this hallway are also like single saw bathrooms. And maybe you like check all of them and they all just seem to be bathrooms. And the one you went into is the only one with like a cleaning supply cabinet. Maybe even double check the cleaning supplies. And I'm going to tell you straight up like out of character as a GM uh, that the DC to investigate this room was a 13. So like an 18, you find anything that would be a miss. Right? Yeah. So even out of character, like this is like what you would find. Yeah. And this just I seems to, yeah, exactly. Go ahead. I, I think the thing with Gentle is I'm absolutely going to, you know, I, they seemed a little fra frazzled. Um, just going to double check. You know, that's why I circled back to make sure. Mm -hmm. um, and then after, I guess, double, potentially even triple checking, that's when I head back up uh, okay. to where we were at. Maybe a little befuddled. You're like, huh, I wonder what that was about. Maybe they gave me directions to the wrong place. Uh, or maybe like the place changed or something. Uh, you hoof your way back up the stairs. All the way, like, 150, like, stories. You're just it's a good workout. This is fine. It is. Yeah, you're actually enjoying it. It's actually kind of nice. Right? Looking out over, like, Rosso, like, the breeze, the fresh air, like, your heart rate going up. It's kind of nice. And by the time you reach, like, the landing for the throne room, you, like, hop onto the balcony. You, like, skitter past the guards, maybe, like, nod at them. But the guards recognize you, and they let you in. They open up the throne room. You enter inside. It's empty. Sybil's not there. Bud's not there. I like check under stuff. Uh, was there any like a mess or anything like left behind, or was it just like was it cleaned up, or did they just like poof out? Uh, the chairs that you, Bud, and Sybil were sitting at are still little askew, but there's mm -hmm. no signs of like a struggle or like magical. They're just gone. Bud is gone. I I go back to the cards. Um, I, hi. Um. Yes. Did you happen to see a uh, a wolf here? The guards glance at each other. They look back down at you. You mean the one that came in with yourself? We saw it go in. We didn't see anyone exit aside from you just now. Huh. Mm. Is hey. something the matter? I I don't know where Bud's at. Your wolf. Uh -huh. It's gone. Uh huh. Uh, the guards look at each other, and the one who was talking to you says, Allow me to help. I still have a little bit of my magic left. Uh, and they, like, enter the throne room with you, right? Like, they're, they're plate mail clanking against each other, uh, against itself. They set down their halberd, right, on, like, a, a chair. And they hold out both hands up above their heads and start chanting in Nabalish. Uh, and you feel like the weave sort of tighten as they continue to chant, right? And you see like their gauntlets glow like a bright red for a second and then it dies back down. And they look up at you and they say, teleportation magic was recently used in this room. Can you trace like how far it would have taken someone or anything like that? I'm not sure. I, it might've been the equivalent of a dimension door. 500 feet range. Can your wolf cast magic? No. Maybe someone? Hmm. We didn't see anyone else enter. It was just the champion and yourselves. Gentle's are having you... a conflict right now. Are you sure your wolf can't cast magic? No, but what if someone could walk through, like, shadows? Ah, a gloomstalker. I, su I suppose... <laughs> <laughs> the guard is like... The throne room is magically warded. 
only the most adept mages would be able to thwart our defenses. Again, I must ask about the magical wolf. I, I mean, if, if Bud could cast magic, that would be shocking to me. I, I haven't seen it. Uh-huh. Very sorry about your missing wolf. We'll put out posters around the plaza. How about that? What names will this wolf respond to? But Bud? Uh, and this, Bud. like, helmeted guard, like, turns to their companion, who's also by, like, the open throne. Like, Dora, who's, like, shrugging. <laughs> Bud, understood. Just a regular white wolf, yes? It was exceptional, but yeah. Understood. We'll put out posters looking for him. I'm so sorry about your wolf running away. You didn't run away. I had a childhood cat growing up, they go where they want to go. No, I think someone took Bud. Um, like uh, I said, that would be impossible unless they were an extremely adept mage and slipped underneath our defenses. Uh, Sybil? Ah. Uh, um, uh, at this, the guards, like, look at each other. Uh, we've been instructed by the champion to keep an eye out for that Gnossi tiefling. And the other guard goes, Oh my god, am I gonna lose my job? Uh, what, what, why did you need to watch out for, for Sybil? Uh, uh, now the guards look, like, also kind of, like, like they're panicking because they've, like, fucked up. Uh, they're, they're just supposed to be stoic and look intimidating, but now, like, you've humanized them and, like, given them jobs and names and duties. Uh, and this one, the one who's been talking to you, who cast Detect Magic, um, says... Sybil is one of the captains of the Aurochs Guild in Dabathati. Uh, they're a criminal guild, a thieves' guild. They basically run the town there. For the longest time, one of our previous champions, Bloodthirst, ran the Kusing Guild here. But ever since Kane ascended to champion, they've been doing their best to root out the last of Kusing corruption here in Nepal. They've outlawed all criminal activity. As they should. The Kusing Guild has been very corrupt and has been a sore uh, in the championship for as long as I can remember. Cain is one of its many victims. They grew up under Bloodthirst's shadow themselves. Sybil and their ilk, other members of the Aurochs Guild, have been poking around Rosso for the past few days now, ever since the carnival was ended. They want to, as far as we know, recruit what's left of Kusing Guild members and take them up to Aurochs. So they'll be out of our hair and not our problem anymore. Do you do you know where I could uh, potentially meet uh, a few people from from that guild? Uh, by this rate, Sybil might be halfway back to Dabathati by now. Mm -mm, no. Um, do you know where I could find someone from the Aurochs Guild so I can ask some questions? I suppose the sewers? That's where the Kusing Guild operated from. If that's where... If Aurochs is looking to recruit what's left of Kusing, I'd start with the sewers. Okay. Uh, do you mm, mind not telling the champion uh, about this? Please? Gentle, uh, I was just made into a mask. royal guard. Uh, um, and they, oh, wow, you're beautiful. They actually don't pay attention to that. Um, their eyes are red um, from, like, tears have just been shedding down their face the entire time. Uh, and they give a big smile. Of course, anything to help a friend. Thank you for helping me uh, try to find uh, Bud. Um, your secret's safe with me. I put my mask back down, and I walk away. 
the guard like reaches out awkwardly to like pat you, but you're already gone. And they're like hand, like their gauntlet like swipes air. They pick their hal halber back up and stiffly walk back like outside the doors. And the other one goes, "Are they going to report us?" Well, uh, but then like the doors shut, right? And then like their the rest of the conversation is muffled as you walk away, gentle. And gentle on you walking away. We're going to cut back to Jerron and Kane. So I think, you know, I'm getting intimate. You know, things have happened. I think maybe if it's okay with, if it's okay with Jerron. Okay. So I think at this point, maybe you're both like lying in bed next to each other. Uh, and Kane is sort of like tracing a finger like down your chest and like looking up at you with like one hand propped to support their head. I think Jerron uh, is still lying, like head on the pillow, like sideways, looking at, uh, looking at Kane, and their hand is just, uh, like their their free hand is just uh, like running along their cheek, kind of like into their hair a little bit, kind of playing with it. I hate that I have to go. <laughs> well, that's part of life, Jerron. It was nice while it lasted. You say that like it's over. <laughs> Good point. This is perhaps a lot to ask of the champion of Nabal, but will I see you again? <laughs> if you ever come back to the championship, Jaron, lover. Uh, and Kane sort of like brushes their hand over your cheek. I'll be here. This is my home. These are my people. That makes sense. I suppose I couldn't ask you to come with me, could I? <laughs> oh, Jaron, I wish. But the championship is... It needs me. I can see that. That it does. Well, okay. I will be back to visit you again. You can be sure of that. I'll be waiting. Jaron. Are you going to tell Kane about the whole paragons are meant to die thing? I think in this moment, Kane is, I mean, oh, oh my God, names are so <laughs> hard. They're all the same person in my head now. Uh, Jaron, Jaron is going to kind of like, maybe like turn over a little bit and like their like clothes and their stuff is just kind of like on the, on the floor by the bed. They're going to rummage through their pack, pull out the cigarette box that Oka brought, or like that Oka left for Jaron, pull out the note and like show it to Kane and say, the next time that I come back, I want to bring Oka, if I can, for what is possibly the last time. What do you mean? By that, Jaron, as distracted and tempted as I am by the thought of a threesome between us, clarify. Well, you you know about the Paragons, you said, and you met the Paragon <laughs> of Scott and Nectis, correct? Ah, uh, yes, yes. Oh, before you continue, there is something you should know. Oka, Oka is a Paragon. They're the Paragon of Sen, darling. Which one of the hounds talked to you before? None of them. You saw the entire sequence of events. I think Jerome just kind of like plops back onto the pillow, like looking up at the ceiling now and not looking at Kane directly. How do you know that? Uh, the whole soul fuck thing? Also, Oka told me everything. 
they're a paragon, and the people they're traveling with are paragons too. They have this really big, buff, muscular, mm, little snack of a court denizen with them as well. Big scythe. They were all paragons. All five of them. Right. The, the whole soul fucking thing, right? Of course. And Jaron kind of like turns to look back at Kane. Sun's paragon, you said? Mm-hmm. The one and only. Change and transformation. We've been looking for Sun's paragon, actually. And and I think like at this, Jaron's like brow starts to knit, and there's like very clearly like pain behind their eyes. The Paragons are not gonna live, Kane. What do you mean? They're supposed to die for Endake. That's that's their fate, apparently. Kane takes this in. They look at you. Their expression doesn't change. And then they smile. And they say, huh? Wait, is that it? <laughs> Jaron, everyone dies eventually. I don't think you understand, Kane. The, the Paragons are meant to give their life for Undake. And <laughs> relatively soon, from what I can surmise. Oh my. Well, that is a, that is a pity. But at least they get to go out with a bang, eh? With the whole world watching? That's not such a bad way to go. Most of us don't get to choose like that. Jaron kind of like sits up in bed and like looks, Kane, like gets a little bit close to Kane, like looks at them incredulously. But you said that Oka is a paragon. Are you not worried about them? <laughs> worried? I don't think worried is the right word here, darling. Listen, everyone dies. At least they get a heads up about it. I wish I got a heads up about bloodthirst's death. You know, if I could kill my father again and I knew that that was the time to kill him, I'd do it with more pizzazz, I think. I think I'd kick him off the roof instead of stabbing him through the heart. More theatrical. You should just make every single one of your murders more theatrical to make up for that, but that's not the point. The point is that this... This doesn't have to be their fate. They shouldn't have to. Why now? Why not be able to choose life instead? <laughs> Why does anything happen? Why was I an orphan? Why didn't my parents want me? Or what happened to my parents to make it that way? Why did Bloodthirst make me kill my brother? Why did I agree? Why did I kill so many people on the road to power? Why did so many people around me die before their time? Well, the truth is... Uh, and Kane just sort of shrugs. Pain is arbitrary. Suffering just happens. That's just a part of life, too. Risk and reward. Oka, meant to die? Ordained by the fates to give their life in order to save Andake? Well, that's one way of dying that will be remembered forever by everyone. No one knows my brother's name, but me. You can change that. I know, and I will. It's just, it feels unfair, like they're being stolen from us. At that, Kane, I think, scoots closer to you and like places their hands on your chest, you know, and like starts like 
running their fingers gently like over your exposed muscles and your skin. <sighs> you have such a sensitive heart, don't you, lover? So I've been told. <laughs> I think it's a beautiful thing. I can see why Oka likes you so much. I can see why Oka likes you so much, too. Mm, yeah, my fat ass. <laughs> Listen, Jaron. My advice, unsolicited, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Cherish the time you have left with them. They're going to too long, that much I know. If you want to catch up to them, now's the time. I think they'll be staying there a while. The main problem is the dream shield and getting through it. Do you know but how I'm we can get around it? I might know a contact by the name of Wang Bo Qian, who might be able to ferry you across for a fee. He's the best dreamwalker in the business. Then I suppose it's too, too long that we're going. But I will be back, like I said, mm. with Oka. I believe you. And hey, when you see Oka, give them this from me. Uh, and Kane slaps your face kind of hard and then kisses you right after. <sighs> I think Jaron is like taken aback at first by the slap and then the kiss immediately after, um, but kind of like sinks into the kiss as it goes. I want to give Oka the same thing, so we can do it twice. <laughs> uh, and Kane's tail sort of curls around your ankle uh, as they continue to kiss you. I think they're holding the parchment, um, Oka's note in like their left hand as they continue to kiss you. And I think things start getting a little heated, maybe. Uh, and I think they bite your lip kind of hard and they draw back. Ooh. Uh, as you see, like their mouth is a little red with your, your blood from your lip. Uh, Jerome just kind of like runs their, their fingers like along their lip. And I think this is maybe like given that we have like we've been chasing after Mercy's exes and stuff for so long. Mm -hmm. Like this is maybe the first time in a while that Jerome has seen their own blood. And it kind of reminds them of Oka because it was a more common sight when Oka was around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kane cocks their head to the side as they look at the blood on your hand, and then they press Oka's note, bloodstained note, to your blood, uh, with, like, their silver eyes glimmering, uh, like they're putting together a puzzle piece. And as your blood seeps into the bloodstained note, words are revealed, extra words are revealed on the surface of the paper. What does it say? We're gonna pan away from Jaron's like shocked face and like Kane's like satisfied look to Sitlali and Mercy. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks for. <laughs> you must think I'm kind of pathetic now, not the strong leader you used to know, but this crying, weeping, emotional mess. Shut the fuck up, Mercy. Affectionate. <laughs> 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 uh, I really like you, Sitlali. I really like you too. Will you? And Mercy, on the balcony, beautiful lights like glimmering all around you, right? The, like fairy lights floating around your head. She gets down on one knee and she takes your hand and she looks up at you. Sitlali. Will you be my second? Finally. Yes. Of course I will be. Thank you. God. Fuck. And then, like, they just, they 
they like tackle, hug, kiss, mercy. Yep, yeah, and you, you like fall <laughs> onto the balcony and you're like kissing. Yep, yep, I think that's... <laughs> perfect, perfect. A punch Lolly falling down uh, on mercy and kissing. And we're going to cut back to Jaron uh, and K- and Kane. And the the words that reveal themselves on the surface of the parchment are in two. Do you read two? Uh, not fluently, but yes. Okay. In two, uh, the words say, stars kiss me always. And you know that the meaning of it, like as two has this very metaphorical way of, of expression is, our love is holy slash I love you holy. My God, I'm actually going to cry. I think Jaron like starts crying like actual tears. And I think they they're staring at this note and they just kind of put it to the side and they just kiss Kane again. Bloodstained lip and all. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think there's like a parallel moment when like, Jaron and Kane are kissing, and like Sitlali and Mercy are kissing out on the balcony. And I think, like, to like round us home, I guess, like for the session, we're gonna go to Gentle. Gentle, as your party is getting some, what are you doing? Went to the sewers. I think we can just sort of like gloss over the exploration phase. You maybe you've like asked around, you've like done some investigating, and all signs sort of point toward a fruit store. Uh, with like stands out front, uh, and there's this sort of like lizard folk woman. Like you've you know that like the the entrance to the sewers is like in her back room. You've like interrogated people. You've like done your investigating. You know this is where all signs are pointing to. And you see this lizard folk woman starting to like shut her down, like pull down these like steel shutters to like close down the fruit store as it's getting late. Hey, uh, uh sorry, hi. I'm oh. shutting down shop. I- I, I'm uh, an herb, herbalist. I, I collect, and I, I am going to be out of town really soon, so I actually had a question uh, about some herbs. Question some... about yeah. herbs? Well, yeah. my expertise precedes me. Trenchfoot at your acquaintance. You know, it's going to cost a little bit of coin for me to tell you what you seek. I give uh, transfer as much as uh, they need. Uh, yeah, I think she's going to try to extort you for all the gold you have. <laughs> Not going to lie, gentle. Okay. That's fine. How much gold is that? I have no idea. <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> Why don't we say it's 20 gold? And yep, you can just like start fine. at zero for uh, she goes, oh, okay. She's like surprised that she can get so much money out of you. She's like expecting you to barter, but you don't. You don't haggle it off. It takes all the gold. <laughs> A generous soul. How might I help? This will help me on my travels. You caught me at a good time, my friend. I was about to leave town for a while. Um, my friend Bud is missing. But a He's description? A dire wolf. Dire wolf. He can and at, at that, Trenchfoot's eyes sort of sparkle with recognition. Well, I may or may not have seen or heard of such a wolf among these streets in the past hour. I would like to roll for intimidation. <laughs> 
Go for it. Tell me how you're intimidating Trenchfoot. I think there's the soft green glowing of the hands of harm as she's continuing to talk more and more. I gave you all my money. Tell me where my friend is. Uh, you get that was a 17, by the way. Okay, she is not very courageous. I'm just gonna straight up let you know. Um, okay, okay, okay. And she sort of like backs up into like the own like half her own half closed shutter of the stall. Fine, fine. Captain Sybil, uh, Sybil the Cruel, let's say, full name Crucible, has taken the wolf back to Dabathati, has left their second in command in charge of recruitment efforts here. I saw them leave not 30 minutes ago myself. How'd they leave? By horse. This is Dare doing some D&D math. I'll be real. Oh my god! Because <laughs> I move at 45. Uh, I have a speed of 45. I was like, if I don't sleep, I could catch up. You're gonna straight up leave your party? I'd leave a note. <sighs> oh my god. <laughs> Bud's missing. I think I do. I think I asked for a direction. Uh, I think I, I write a note. And I think I head off to go find Bud. Okay, gentle, uh, you write a note. And I think you're like getting all your things ready, right? I think you're like, uh, are you leaving the note back at the tower? Like you're gonna mm -hmm. go back to the tower to leave the note and then you're gonna get out of there? Okay. Yep. Gentle, when you return up to the throne room, I think that's when Jaron, Kane, Mercy, and Sitlali reconvene, right? Like in, in the foyer, like all four, like all of you just sort of bump into each other in the hallway, right? In front of the guards, I think. Uh, who, who look really nervous underneath their full closed helms. Um, and like Kane and Gerard, you know, Kane has not bothered to like unmust their recently fucked hair. You know what I mean? And like, like put on some new clothes. They are shamelessly just walking, stinking of it, right? Uh, oh, hello, Mercy. Sit Lolly, I believe. Gentle, good to see you again. How has everyone stay so far? I hand her on a note. Uh, what's this, Gentle? And Jaron opens it. <laughs> it says Bud was taken. I'm going to find him. Wait, Gentle, where are you going? I'm gonna find Bud. Uh, Gentle, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's talk about this as a group. Bud's Sybil did missing. it. Mercy looks at Sit Lolly. I have a thing for this. Do you know how far Bud is from here? Because it only works within like a thousand feet. But uh, about how long has it been since uh, I was with Trenchfoot? Fifteen minutes. 45 minutes ago, but it was taken. Or, but it, they left the town about 45 minutes ago. Probably more than a thousand feet away, huh? Uh, can you push your magic? I can certainly try. Um, Mercy holds onto your hand and like squeezes and looks down at you. So you can cast Locate Creature, make an Arcana check with advantage uh, to see if you can stretch your magic. Is there uh, any way to help Sitlali with this spell? Pitch it. Okay, uh, Gentle, do you have anything of Bud's? One of the cracked dice from earlier. Okay, Sit Lolly, do you think that you could maybe use this to focus on Bud, really hone in on his scent or his, I don't know, his aura or something? It certainly couldn't hurt. Okay, I'll give you triple advantage. So roll three dice and take the highest. Okay, okay, okay. 23. Okay, I think it works. 
Uh, okay. So what does it look like as you're like trying to locate Bud? I think they sit down, just like on the ground, um, <laughs> super casually, uh, still holding Mercy's hand. Uh, <laughs> so kind of tug Mercy down a little bit um, <clears throat> while also holding the die. And uh, they just kind of go, okay, yeah. I've done this before. I can do this. It's divination. It's fine. I got that. I got. Okay. Hmm. And then they just focus in really hard, kind of like when they were scrying before. Um, and like the weave just kind of tightens and shimmers. Yeah. And locate creature lets me know if the creature is moving. It lets me know what direction. Okay. I'll give you yeah. a lot of information, I think. Cool. Uh, so as you close your eyes and the weave tightens around you, you see a flash of images through your head. You see a uh, bud tied up to the back of a horse seems to be unconscious but not hurt just like knocked out like unconscious and sort of bouncing along on the back of this horse you see a rider and you recognize the rider you see the smoke the steam sort of billowing from their horns sybil is sort of riding with like a a, a cloak on like a hood on and it's i'm this like big stallion right and you see every 500 feet sybil throws out their hand and a bracelet around their wrist glows as they open up a dimension door to to like expedite travel um, across across Nabal. At this point, they have already gotten past the lake somehow. They've gotten past Ingir Lake and they are like on the other shore of the championship heading in a straight line toward Nabathati to the northeast. I think Sitlali kind of comes out of it and like puts a hand to their temple because they are having a migraine. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> from the day. Um, just kind of northeast. Um... She's got a then dimension dooring and it's hot, but it, Bud's fine. Um, but Bud's f- okay, but they're going to Dabathati. Yeah. Okay. That's where I'm going. We Gentle. are going. Oka, we need, we need to find Oka. Oka's in too long. Yeah. It's kind of not the opposite the direction. direction. Yeah, I'm aware. Sitlali, what yeah. you know of Sybil? What are they gonna do with Bud? I can I can tell you uh, if <laughs> if you'd like to know. So I don't think you knew that Sybil was like part of Thieves Guild stuff, but you do know that Sybil really likes animals. It really likes animals. Uh, and oh, okay. So likely would not treat Bud poorly, but probably was just sort of like, that's a cool animal, I want it. <laughs> you know, at, at gentle. Are they gonna mistreat Bud? Are they gonna make Bud do horrifying tricks, put them in a tutu and, I don't know, this is the worst thing I could think of. Jaron, don't give me that look. Worse than dog fights? <sighs> right. I, I don't, I know that Sybil loves animals a lot. So Bud's probably, Fine, but also, you know, Bud's not here, so, um, I get that. Gentle, are you okay? Gentle shakes their head now. Gentle, listen, Bud's gonna be alright, okay? This simple person isn't going to hurt him. We, we, we have to, we have to find Oka. No, I know. Their mask is down. We have to save the world. Yeah, and yeah. We, we need you, Gentle. You're I a know. part. So. Mercy, surely we can take a quick side trip. <sighs> what if we What if we went to too long, fast, and then took Oka and went to Dabathati? 
if Sybil's in charge or a part of the Aurochs Guild, they have to be powerfully embedded in Dabathati. There's no way just the... Just us, but with a paragon on our side. I don't know, maybe Oka can help. You think getting Oka is seriously going to be that easy? No. Getting into too long itself won't be that easy from what I hear. And Drawn just kind of looks over at Kane. Not to worry, I have a contact you can speak with. He'll get you through the dream shield in a hop, skip, and a jump. I do think it's important you all tell Oka about the whole paragon's... Being, you know, supposed to die thing, though, just so they can come to terms with it easier and sooner. Sit lolly rounds on Duran. It came up. Oh, well, did it? The only thing that came up, but, uh. Do I look like I give a fuck about you without looking at Kane? <laughs> oh, darling. If looks could kill, I'm sure you'd have a bunch of bodies in your wake. Who says I don't? Play nice. Play nice, Sit lolly. Yes, gentle. Can we please keep moving? We have to get to too long, right? Are you sure? Yeah. Gentle shake. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right, hounds. Fast. Fast to too long, and then we we get Oka, and we we go to Talmud. Okay. We re-recruit Oka. I don't know what sort of Paragon bullshit they're on, but we'll figure it out, and and we'll go to Talmud. Okay. All right. Okay. Also, Simali's the new second. What? When did you decide that? Just that now. Makes sense. Okay. Okay, sure, sure. Congrats, Silali, by the way. Mercy, a minute? Uh, yes. Uh, gentle Jaron Kane, uh, do you mind getting ready in just one second? And Mercy, like, steps away to talk to you. You be honest with me, right? Of course. Are you interested in the reward money? Are you? Please just answer the question. Uh, okay, how about we both answer, okay? On three. Feel fair? No. Uh, sit lolly, come on, I just made you You've known about this the whole time, is that, <sighs> is that why we're doing this? Uh, okay, uh, everyone, let's, let's get going. Uh, we'll get Mercy? some horses from the stables. Uh, look, I'd be lying if I said that didn't make a little bit of a difference. But it's Oka, okay? I care about Oka more than the money, all right? Hey, but what do we do when we get Oka? Do you know where the god shard is? We'll figure it out. Are you we'll doing this for the money, Mercy? No, 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 Sitlali, I'm not. I'm doing this for Oka. It's always been for Oka. And the fact that they left us and now we can finally have them back and... Okay? Inside check. Oh my god. Okay, go for it. Someone in this party has to. 23. As far as you can tell, she's being sincere. Uh, when she sort of like burst out, that was coming from an authentic place. She does okay. care about Oka, but also what she said about the reward money being tempting is also true. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Um, but she does care about Oka. Okay. Sit Lolly uh, pulls Mercy down and goes in to like kiss her on the cheek, but into her ear. I think we should reconsider the uh, reward money, though. Well, what do you mean by that? You want it? It sure would be nice. I know, right? A hundred thousand gold? That would change lives. We wouldn't have to hunt anymore, though. I'd still want to hunt because I of like course. to hunt and I'm good at it. But and I mean, after what they've done to us. I, I mean, well, we could talk about it. We get, uh, we'll, figure, we'll figure it out, Jaron. We'll figure it uh, out. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We'll talk about before, it. Before Jaron leaves. Now. Um, as everybody is rushing out, uh, Jaron is just going to quickly, like, 
pull a thread off of one of their horns and uh, like hold Kane's hand and place it in their palm. Wait for me. <laughs> and you wait for me. And Kane unclips this one kind of plain like silver earring like on their ear and they hand it to you and you recognize it as one of Oka's earrings. They hand it to you. Actually, I think they, they move up to like clip it onto your ear. They clip it against your ear. They cup the side of your jaw and then they kiss you deeply. Taking the thread, they tuck it into their robes and they say, well, go on. I will come back. And with that, Sharon goes to leave. I hate to see you leave, but love to watch you go. Podcast editing is by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very very special thank you to our Patreon paragons. Azura, Bradley, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Purple Mouse, Scruffesis, and Target.